Well, on this episode of Geek Out Loud, we jumped out of the hot tub and we're jumping onto the airwaves. It's myself and my special guest, Chaz Bazaar. On your safe place to geek out, this is the Geek Out Loud podcast. again everyone and welcome to geek out loud this thing that i have no idea what it really is anymore let's just have a good time how about that geek out loud let's just have a good time that's the that'll be the new uh tagline the new catchphrase welcome to geek out loud let's just have a good time it used to be the official podcast of geekoutonline.com um but there's really nothing going on at geekoutonline.com anymore then of course there's your safe place to geek out but I don't really know how much geeking out we do around here anymore. I think that really what's happening, and this is going to disappoint some of you, I know, but this is going, I feel like the Geek Out Loud is slowly morphing into the Big Honkin' Show. And the reason being is because I feel like I can talk a little bit more uh, in depth about, I don't know, let's just say the San Diego Zoo fits a penguin with an orthopedic footwear. <laughs> What? Hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just a second here. Let's just bring him in real quick. <laughs> Before we get going too much. I mentioned him as we were coming in, ladies and gentlemen. Shaz Bazaar, Shaz Bazaar. Ooh, baby. Making me crazy, driving me crazy. Every time, every time, every time I look around. Every time I look around. Every time I look around. He's at my door. Shaz Bazaar, how's it going, man? Man, I don't know how much lag there was on that, but there probably was a lot. A little bit, a little bit. I tried to stay. I tried to sing over you though. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. <laughs> So yeah, uh, so let me let's let me do as I like to do. Pull the curtain back a little bit. Shaz and I have just recorded an episode of Hot Tub Geek Machine, um, which will come to Patreon first, and then will later be put in as a segment of uh, Geek Out Loud. Um, the first one was done. It's at Patreon right now. Patreon.com/slash/GeekOutLoud. Myself and Scott Rifen had a blast. Had a great time talking to Scott. Show. Uh, what's that? Really good show. Good show. A really good shoe. Really good. Yeah, you know what? We had a I had a great time because what what I want it to be is just two people sitting around talking. It it it's born out of this idea. I was down in Florida last week on vacation um with family and the place we were staying had a pool and a hot tub. And I love a good hot tub. Like I will especially if it's a cool night with a nice breeze blowing off the ocean and um, you know, I, I, you can just sink down in that thing. And just after you've been in the cold pool, get in the, in the nice warm hot tub. And, uh, and I was thinking back to star Wars weekends down in Orlando, uh, hanging out with Jimmy Mack of rebel force radio, 
we were hanging out poolside, chilling and everything. And then he said, Hey, let's go back here. And, and where we were staying had a nice big kind of hot tub area. And like, let's go back here and chill for a little bit. So we did. And we were sitting around the hot tub, just talking star Wars and podcasting and stuff. And I actually sent Jimmy a text. I'm like, dude, I'm just thinking of you. I remember when we were down in Florida together doing this and good memories and appreciate your friendship, all that kind of stuff. And then I thought this would be a great show, but not like, like with, when I'm doing geek out loud, it's high energy. I'm trying to entertain everything. I'm like, but I want it to be just as reserved and chill as it can be. Is there a funny aspect to it? Yes, of course there is. I want that to be the case, but um, but I thought, you know, let I, I want it to be just people having a conversation, seeing where the conversation goes, no plan, no necessary topic. I have a question in my mind that I will lead off with and just see where the conversation goes from there. And, um, and, I and, uh, and Scott and I, I feel like had a great discussion of just radio and being in the radio business and kind of what that's like versus podcasting and, and, and had a black and, and just like with anyone, my intention is these things last 30 minutes and, and Rifen and I go much longer than that. Same thing with Shaz and I, spoiler alert. Um, but we got through Shaz and I'm like, and, and I'm like, well, Hey, you got time? Let's just do Geek Out Loud. Some, something how it came up. And I'm joking with Chaz. He's like, I got a little bit of time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here we are. Yeah, here we are. Thank you, Chaz. <laughs> Welcome. And and so as I'm getting stuff together really quickly to do Geek Out Loud, I, I pull up the Big Honkin' Show email, which honestly hasn't been used in ages. And I'm thinking maybe I can find like an older story there, something that we never covered that I always wanted to, that I can kind of bring up at some point in the show. There are 10 emails from our good friend Jimmy in Georgia, uh, who's in Missouri, from like two days ago. Like (laughs) Jimmy felt a tremor in the force. And he's like, I sense that this may be happening soon. And so he threw down the gauntlet, the remote producer and content provider, Jimmy in Georgia in Missouri. Uh, just threw down for us. And one of the things, so as I'm doing the opening just then, <laughs> and I'm talking about this moment, I'm like, I can just talk about anything. So I picked one of these random things that he sent, and here is the headline. San Diego Zoo fits penguin with orthopedic footwear. Now, Aha. now, now look, understand. look, don't don't get it twisted here. That That completely caught me off guard. But in my head, initially, I was thinking they gave a penguin a prosthetic foot. (laughs) But that's not what this says. They gave a penguin orthopedic footwear. Mm. So the penguin had bunions? Or or did they, for a penguin, could they have given it flippers? Falling flippers than the feet. Exactly. Falling arches? Yeah. You know, what? and how do you know? How do you know the penguin needed orthopedic footwear? These are animals that live on rocky ground in icy areas. That I don't know that they're like, oh, you know what this penguin really needs? Some UFOs. He, Wait, so which which location was this? This is, this is San Diego. San Zoo? Diego, yeah. So Last it, I checked, they don't have much ice in San Diego. Nope. A member of the San Diego Zoo's African penguin colony has been fitted with orthopedic footwear to help it deal with a degenerative foot condition. So these are the penguins that like also live up in Africa. They're the ones that have the um the the blonde the eyebrows coming off of the side of their head. <laughs> you know you know what I'm talking about. 
four-year-old four-year-old penguin named Lucas has lesions on his feet due to a chronic condition known as Bumblefoot. That's what my dad used to call me when I was like not doing things fast enough for him. It covers a ra- Bumblefoot covers a range of avian foot problems. Well, that sounds a little bit too um, too generic, doesn't it? It does. It's like he's got the Bumblefoot. Well, what brand of Bumblefoot does he have? Exactly. Bumblefoot. Is it Bumblefoot twenty twenty one. Bumble Bumblefoot tuna. Um, it also Bumblefoot also sounds like a character in a C.S. Lewis novel or a J.R. Tolkien novel. Like yes. he could have been in The Hobbit or in Narnia. Or Power of the Rings. And here comes here comes Bumblefoot. And Bumblefoot waddled over to the king, thus saying to him, "Bumblefoot's a hobbit." Bumble is 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 he? He's got to be. I mean, foot. There's proud foot. There's proud feet. Proud feet. Proud feet. Um. So, anyways, uh, if left untreated, Bumblefoot could lead to sepsis and death by infection. The zoo's wildlife care specialist turned to an organization called Therapol which creates rehabilitative and assistive products for animals with special needs. Therapol created custom shoes made of neoprene and rubber to prevent pressure sores from developing when Lucas stands and walks. Now, I'm always told if I've got pressure sores on my feet, it's because I need to lose weight. Maybe they need to quit feeding Lucas so much fish. That might be it. Maybe there's too much... uh... Maybe there's dolphin in his diet. Maybe this is the problem. They're they're catching those tuna with the dolphin. The dolphin, yeah. The penguin's problem began more than three years ago, so when it was just a wee tot. African penguins have suffered a massive population decline and are listed as endangered by the International Union of Conservation for Nature. So good news all the way around. The penguin's got a foot problem that could kill it, and uh, they're dying out anyway. So, wow. Is it because he's in captivity? Uh, it could be, you know that you know orcas. Their little fins flop over when they get into captivity. I had an argument with somebody about an orca yesterday. They said they don't have a, a dorsal fin. I said yes. Of they course do. they have a dorsal fin. It's huge. Yeah, it sticks right up there unless they're in captivity. Then it flops over. It's huge. Learn that in Free Willy. See, and this person just watched Free Willy last summer. Hold I know because me. I was there. I like the river Jordan. Was this your daughter? It might have been. <laughs> <laughs> She's better than that. Come on. She should know better than that. Well, because there's this toy that the dog has, and it's an orca. And mm-hmm. I kept calling it the whale because she was calling it the dolphin. And Lonnie's also got a pelican toy, and the pelican toy is being repaired. So I said, don't confuse her. Call it a whale. It's not a whale. It's an orca. But it's got a fin. Well, now, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say this to you now. And you can take this how you want to, but um, a, an orca is technically a dolphin. What? Yeah. An orca I'll is go not to whale. An orca. <laughs> an orca <laughs> is not technically a whale. An orca is technically a dolphin. Whale. No. Well, whale. It's not a whale. I don't know about that. I know it's not a whale. Let me read something to you. While orcans are members of the marine dolphin Wait family. Orcans? Orcas. Uh, I, I think you're confusing it with those that come from eggs and the planet orc. No, 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 no. Not This orcans. is not. No, no, no. This is orcas, the killer whale. 
uh, is misnamed because they're members of the marine dolphin family, Delphinidae. So they're not dolphins, they're Delphinidae. They're, they're, they're of the same family. Okay, but that doesn't mean they're, they have the same name. That's like saying wolves and dogs aren't related. I'm not saying they're not related. Well, I'm just say, saying they're a type of dolphin. Right. They are a type of dolphin. They're in the family. But because they're so much bigger than dolphins, they are um they they got called they got stuck with the name whale. Whale. Which by the way, I would like to officially put this out here um on Geek Out Loud that I am now beginning the campaign for us to stop referring to stop saying that dolphins and whales are not fish. They are what? fish. They may Why, be they swim in the sea. Well, they well, look, can Okay, here here we go. I understand I understand that they're mammalian fish. I get that. That's fine. Yep. But can they survive out of the water? No. I don't know. No, they cannot. They need to be in the water. That's why if a whale gets beached, it's trouble for that whale. It doesn't need the water to breathe per se, but the water is what keeps it from boiling in its own blubber. Is and that what it is? Boiling in its own blubber? They dry out or something. I don't know. Someone in the chat probably knows. By the way, we're live right now at Mixler.com slash Goliverse. Mixler.com slash Goliverse. And I like the boiling in the blubber idea. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds tasty. Um, I I, I mean, you know, they're overheated because they don't have that water cooling system. Right. That makes sense to me. Why do whales die on land? How do you categorize things? You know, different people, different cultures, different times categorize things differently. And if it flies, it's a bird. If it swims, it's a fish, right? Right, right. It just depends on the culture. And don't be so ethnocentric that you can't say that whales are fish. Okay, the boiling in the own blubber thing might might be weird. Um, but this is this I'm is what it's real. I just think it's funny. They die due to the dehydration, collapsing under their own weight, or drowning when high tide covers their blowhole. Well, I was thinking in uh, some kind of rescue story for either a dolphin or an orcan. Um, they they had to keep water on it all the time. Why? Right. So. When when they're transferring dolphins. Um, they 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 have to keep them wet the whole time. I mean, it's not like they come out of the water to to lay eggs or anything, or or to give birth mm-hmm. like sea turtles. Sea turtles are something different than fish. Mm-hmm. Right, sea turtles are definitely different than fish. Sea turtles are turtles. They have shells. Yes, so do snails, but snails aren't turtles. Nope, snails are snails because they're slug-like. But they have shells. That does the shell is not the the key there. See the difference there becomes the body versus the thing. And also, is a shell attached to it? Is a snail attached to its shell, or can it move out? Because a turtle I, cannot move out of its move shell. Out like a, it can't move out like a uh, like a hermit crab or okay. something like that. All no. right. I don't know that if it's attached or it's just you know it's all spiraled up in mm-hmm. there. Welcome to Geek Out Loud. Um, my name like Steve. A big honking show to me. My name's Steve Glosson. <laughs> I have Shaz Bazaar with us. <laughs> um, Shaz, I here. What's interesting is I, I feel like we need Steve Bennett um, with us on this particular episode. 
That would be stranger. It would be, but it would work out because it was you and and Steve and myself that um, we all traveled around North Georgia together some five years ago now. No. Yeah. Yeah. Five years ago this past August, in fact. This past, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, we, we traveled about North Georgia uh, seeking out Stranger Things filming locations. And, and thanks to one Steve Bennett, we found many of them. Yeah, he knew exactly where they were. Yeah, he had it mapped out, man. And what a blast. What a fun time that trip was. That was a great time. Uh, we, we, ate, uh, we ate thawed Eggos, I recall that. We did. Um, we did not eat jumbo wings and tenders. No, but you and I fixed that. We did. Later. We did. We did. Um, however, the, they were not jumbo. They were the wings were not jumbo. They were a bunch of liars on that side. Uh, <laughs> we we saw Hawkins Middle School gym. We saw the parking lot for the high school. We went to where the interiors of the high school were filmed and walked at least three miles around the biggest school <laughs> I've ever been to in my life. And Steve developed Bumblefoot from that experience. Oh, I was checked out at that point. I'm like, uh-uh. This thing just keeps going and going. It was absolutely ridiculous. I think, though, when I, I was... a couple bike rides? We did. We did. I, and then I had to have surgery afterwards. Um, had those things surgically removed. Bicyclectomy? Um, that's right. That's right. Okay, here was one of the fun things that I don't know that we talked about in the follow-up show. We got out... The, the, and the, this was between seasons one and seasons two. Of, uh, I don't know why I'd said it's seasons one and seasons two. I should have said seasons one and two of Stranger Things. I'm sorry? Stranger Things one and two. Right. This is be- you're right. This was between Stranger Things one and two. And in the promotion, there was uh, there was a shot of the boys riding a bike on, on a pretty country road, but there was uh, in the sky, there was the, the red lightning and everything. Well, mm-hmm. Steve found... Uh, through his detective work, he found exactly where this road was. And it was just outside of Jackson, Georgia, which doubles for downtown Hawkins. And so we were in Jackson doing the downtown Hawkins thing, went to the drugstore, went to the radio shack, saw the exterior, the courthouse, which is the exterior of the library in Hawkins, went to the uh, alley where they had the fight, where where Steve and Jonathan have the fight. Um this is where we discovered the jumbo wings and tenders. This was just before lunch. We were there. Yeah. And uh, then we rode out into the country to to get on the bikes and recreate that shot of the boys riding the bikes on this road. And this is why, this is one of the reasons why Steve had actually, when he got to Georgia, purchased bikes. He purchased two bikes to yes. do this. And um, purchased a bike rack and everything. And he had to assemble the bike rack the morning that we all left. So <laughs> keep going. I know where you're going with this. We, we unload the bikes and from the, from the SUV and we, uh, we're, we're getting ready to ride them. And one of them is a little bit cat. The wheel is a little bit cattywampus. There's some issues with the wheel scrubbing on some things. And so there needs to be some readjusting and some tightening and some loosening of some things here and there. Well, the the problem then comes down to we need tools to do this. If only we had some tools. If only we had some tools to do this. And now keep in mind, this is Steve and I are trying to Stephen and I, Team Steve. Team Steve. Bennett. Steve Bennett. Yeah. We're we're trying to figure out how we can make this work. 
you know, oh, if only we had some tools. And here comes the voice of genius. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. What had been decided was, is we'll sit there with the bikes. Steve will ride back into town. Yes. And pick up the tools we need at a hardware store there in town and just come back. Right. And I'm sitting there thinking, this seems to be very uh, inefficient. And it finally dawns on me. And this is after several minutes of oh, this is several minutes of pulling and tugging and trying to do this by hand, and I finally look at Steve. I'm like, "Hey, how did you put the uh, the bike rack together this morning?" And there's just this moment of silence where it's like, I "Do what?" Huh? And exactly. and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've got tools in the truck." <laughs> <laughs> so we get the we get the picture, we get the shot, and everything, and um and and we go on about our business as we and then my second favorite part, and this is actually in the audio from the, um. This is actually in the audio from from the from the recap and from the show from back then in 2017. Um, we're coming back into Jackson, and yes. and Steve Bennett says. It's amazing these little towns all have the same architecture. That courthouse looks just like the one architecture, architecture. The archi- why can I? Right the first time. Okay, uh, he says it's amazing all the buildings look the same. Look at the courthouse; it looks just like the one in Jackson. I'm like Steve, Steve, where do you think we are right now? <laughs> I got to tell you again, I was right with Steve. Yeah, and you are the voice of. <laughs> Of reason this entire day. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I became the voice of grumpiness at some point because the jumbo I, I wings. Think it was within two minutes of this statement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're back in Jackson. They got jumbo wings and tenders at that place. They sure do, Steve. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And we're driving on out of Jackson. Hey, the jumbo wings and tenders. There's a Burger King. Because remember, we went out to the country just before lunch. It is now after lunch. And this is the other thing these two guys didn't realize. They're all caught up in the, we got to get the pictures. We got to do this. Like, here's the thing. This is what I love about you, Shaz, is like, if you get, if you get ready to do an adventure, you are on the adventure. You are into it. Like you become a hundred percent invested in everything that's going on. And so, except, you know, anything that has, that has to do with menial tasks that goes along with it, you know, like (laughs) tools, right? Right. Food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Directions. Like um, Directions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're every place that we pass with food. I keep and finally, like an hour later, Steve Bennett's like, "Hey, we never got lunch." I'm like, I just kept saying jumbo wings and tenders, and so I, yeah, I did become a little grumpy at that point because then began a lot of walking, and I think. That was the day we ended up. We we went to Stone Mountain. Was that was that? No, day? I think that was the next day. Okay, so that was the next day. But this day was the day we ended up walking around that building. This was the long day around the building. This was the, yes. and so so I wasn't a fan of that because I and y'all kept saying I don't know if this is it. I don't. I'm like, look, guys, this hallway. The thing is about this is that this is the interior for the high school. The, the paint in, job. Yeah, yeah, the paint job. The interior for the middle school was blue and white. This is orange and and, and green. I don't know if that's right or not. It is right. Um, <laughs> why are we walking a thousand miles? What is it you're trying to see? Like that was the thing I didn't understand. I'm like the exact hallway, <laughs> and they all look the same. 
No, there's these minuscule differences. And you would you would turn a corner and it's like there's no end in sight. And I remember at one point I'm like, I guess this is the last corner. Nope, this is only the third corner we've turned, Steve. We've got one it's a square building. We've got to go around another. <laughs> And then, of course, came Stone Mountain the next day. Or yeah, the the yeah, because that we yes. went to Stone Mountain, and then from Stone Mountain we went to Emory. Where, That's right. Uh, where we where we ran into the Ant Man stuff. Ant Man and Wasp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, what a good time! But anyhow, that kind of connected us all. That was three seasons ago, Steve. Yeah, yeah, that connected us all through the Stranger Things deal, and um, and I haven't on Geek Out Loud really talked a lot about. Stranger Things 4 to this point, even though it debuted... When did that debut? Back in July? Um, The first part? Yeah. What, was it July? I don't know. We'll find I, out. I, honestly, May. Okay. The second part came in July, I think. Right. May 27th and July 1st, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I, and I I didn't do it back in May into June because I didn't, I wanted to wait until they 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 finished out that second part just to kind of have the, the full picture of everything. Um, now, finally, that July is over. Here we go, yeah. Months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, finally, that July is over and She-Hulk has started, we can talk about Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, have you caught the She-Hulk, by the way? No. Yeah. I, I've been missing some Marvel stuff lately. I didn't see Love and Thunder either. It's cute. Stra- uh, She-Hulk is cute. Um, it's it's a little witty, a little funny. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about She-Hulk herself, not the show. Oh, yeah. She's a cute lady, too. But okay. no, the show itself is cute. It's meant to be funny. It's meant to have that uh, John Byrne. Everyone says Dan oh, yeah. Slott, but it's more to me the John Byrne era of... Uh, you know, it was kind of where all that got all that funniness and breaking the fourth wall and all got started. So, anyway, <clears throat> so uh, Stranger Things season four. Um, we uh, look, I don't know that I ever talked about Stranger Things three on the show, to be honest with you. Um, Should we do a watch party of Stranger Things three. We did Stranger Things two. Wow. I think, yeah. Because what we did is I did a series of commentary tracks for every episode of Stranger Things 1 leading up to Stranger Things 2. Hmm. And, I, and I had guests on, I think, talking, doing commentary for each episode. Yes, yes. Leading up. Anyway, um, but I'll tell you this. I, I was not overly thrilled with season three of stranger things with stranger things three, because I, I felt like it got a little too, let me use this word again, cute. I, 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 that was the point, man. What, what year was it? 85. Oh man. Was it? Yeah. Was it meant to be set in 85 at that point? I think so. Stranger things. The first episode was set in 82 then 83. I thought, okay. And then 84. Hey, this is prep work, man. This is 85. 86 is 86 is this one. It would have to be 85. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I felt like considering, look, the, the first season and 
in in the second season, the first season was just like, I don't, it doesn't get any better than that to me. Like I, I, I was absolutely, as we all know, blown away that first season. And the second season, I thought really followed up the story pretty well. We got some new characters introduced. We had a, a greater threat introduced, you know, with the mind flayer yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, but then when you hit season three, it's almost like, whereas this show had just taken place in the 80s in season one and two, season three was very, it felt like it was very self-conscious about, look, we're in a mall now. Look how cool we, you know, look at all the eighties references we've packed in here. Oh, and the bad guys are Russians too. How eighties is that? And it just felt like, and then the, and the gang wasn't together ever for most of the season. And, and no, it, it was kind of the empire strikes back of stranger things. I don't know. To me, it felt more because like everybody's always apart from each other. Things aren't, you know, really coalescing at all. Yeah, but I and, and you get those new members in that are a little bit odd. Right, right, and with um, Erica and and uh, Robin and Robin, yeah, yeah. You know, and I and look, I love the 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 turnaround and uh, the not turnaround, the never ending story, singing at the end yeah. and everything with yeah. Dustin and his girlfriend. But I just thought as a whole, I didn't enjoy because this three is where you have, isn't that where Jonathan and Nancy are running off and they end up at the, or is that season two where they end up with uh, what's his face? Um, I, th I thought that was three. That's not three. Oh man. I, I don't remember. Oh boy. Yeah. We're some experts here on this show. Really prepped, really prepped and prepared. Brett Gelman. What's Brett Gelman's character's name in? Stranger Things. Murray. Murray, yeah. They did they did they go to his place and end up there for a couple of nights in two or three? I think it's three they ended up doing that. I was thinking it was three because weren't they working at that no Yeah. They, yeah, they, they she was she was at the paper or something. That's what I was thinking. They're yeah. already working together. That was yeah. three. But anyway well, here's the thing though. My I guess my thing is it's like it, it just felt way too tongue in cheek. It felt way, you know, and then of course I know the end was pretty big and it plays into four with the death of Billy and everything. Um, sure. But I just, I don't know. There, It just didn't seem to, to roll really well with me. You know, the first time I saw it, it was awesome. Cause it was, you just took it for what it was. Right. The next time I wasn't as much as watching it again, mm -hmm. but then this spring when we watched it in prep for Str Stranger Things four coming out, mm -hmm. I really liked season three a lot more again. Okay, well I'm, I may need, I may just need to revisit it. Yeah, it doesn't because, hurt if you have the time. Yeah, um, but that that brings us into four, and I'll tell you, I have the same problem with four that I had with three, and that is the team never really gets together you know, our original characters, you know, they're split up from the get go, um, with, uh, with, with, uh, with I mean, Mike Hopper's in Russia, Hopper. Well, yeah, but Hopper's thought to be dead. Um, but with Mike going out to California and there's Mike and Will and 11 out in California. And then back in Indiana are Dustin and the rest of the gang. Um, and, and there's the, the division between them because of the, I, I like for friends to stay friends. In these shows, you know what I mean? 
Um, see, we got to have season five. We got to have Stranger Things five, and and this is the build up. This right. Is, I hope this so. This is the meeting up. Yeah. At the end of Return of the Jedi. Together again, yes, huh? Yes, right. Wouldn't miss it for the world. That was the beginning of Return of the Jedi, though, that by the way. That was the beginning. But yes. then they split apart again. Then they <laughs> come back together. Right. Oh, Only to split up again. Um, to split up again. Yeah. But the thing is, they, but they're all on the same page when they're splitting up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they understand what's going on. It, anyhow, se- season four, I absolutely really, really liked. It, from the get-go, it felt more like season one than any of the prior seasons except for one. Yes. Um, much, much scarier, much more, you know, leaning into that 80s horror. Um, you know, Vecna being this incredible new addition to the lore of the under of, of the upside down. I almost call it the underground, the upside down. Um, yeah. and what a great entrance into this too. And, and the first thing we see is that, uh, uh, what was the girl who got crushed? Chrissy and broken up. Yeah. Yeah. When that first happens and her eyes are doing this thing and he can't wake her up. I was like, are, are we playing, uh, Freddy Krueger? Nightmare on Elm Street at this point. In a way, I, yeah, yeah. I really felt like it was a throwback to that, and then you get the payoff. Right, right. With Freddy Krueger in the singing song. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was great. That was actually the exteriors for that were shot here in Rome, at Barry College. Um, that's outside what's called the Ford Buildings over there. The, the exterior vet, for which? Uh, for the insane asylum for where they go to see, uh, to see. Freddy Krueger, yeah, for, or not, not Vecna. Now the house is 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 here in Rome as well. Vecna's house, but that's not on campus. No, that's not on campus. That's downtown. That's just outside downtown Rome. It's, oh, it, I it's, gotta come up to Rome. They've got a they've got a sign out in the front yard, just like Mike's house does now. You know, like, hey, don't cut on the grass. Yeah, take <laughs> so, your picture. It was a bed and breakfast for a while. I don't know if it still is or not, but it's called the. Uh, I can I can never remember what it's called. Um, but it, yeah, it's crazy when you, when you walk up to, it, you're like, oh wow, this is it for sure. Now it's not across a little deserted street from a, um, playground. That's one of the amazing, cool things to me about filmmaking. That's just so neat that they were able to pull off. It's like, it's a bigger road than what is in front of it. And so like they're, they're doing different locations for everything. And it's just a really neat kind of, kind of thing. But anyhow, I like I didn't like that they were split up the whole time, but I get it. You know what I mean? Like I understand the 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 need behind that. We want to catch up with Eleven. We want to catch up with Mike. We want to catch up with the team. We want to see what everyone's doing. And the way that season three left with everyone kind of parting ways, you know, the the breaking of the fellowship, if you will. Um, hmm. We have to have this kind of thing, and it sets everyone off on their own adventures and, and stuff. And and again, we're introduced, as you say, to some new characters. We've got Eddie of the Hellfire Club, um, yeah. who is that dude in high school who's been in high school a little longer than maybe he should be. Uh, maybe, but he is. Uh, you know, he's he's the he's the rebel that everyone's kind of scared of. And of course, this leans into the satanic panic of the mid eighties. Yeah. You know, with the Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and and there's a cult and all this stuff, and um, but then out on the West Coast where you've got Eleven and Will, and and then of course Mike goes out there, and I love that Mike gets off the plane looking like a total tourist headed out to California, um, <laughs> and 
and and the new character out there what's the pizza guy's name you know he hugs him he's like ocean pacific and he hugs him he's like oh yeah it's fake man we'll get you the real stuff it's okay <laughs> <laughs> oh what's his name it's, uh, <laughs> but i love that they find a surfer pizza you know in arizona or wherever they're at on the way to on new mexico on the way to get 11 back to you know back to indiana and 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 so, argyle argyle yes yeah. yes yes yeah, and, and they all speak the same language. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's so good. So good. And the, the new characters were, that were introduced were good. Then you've got the whole other, you know, your sea story going on with Hopper. And yeah. and this is one of the things that was most intriguing. It's like we find out that he is alive. Uh, he wasn't vaporized in the closing of the big portal to the Upside Down. And he's in he's in a gulag he's in a russian gulag uh and 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 there's work being done by someone on the inside to get him out and this is where you get joyce and um and brett gelman murray off to go to go save him and it's and here's the thing like the, the thing that season one did so well is 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 it really felt like in a lot of ways um law a lost show or movie that had been found and they're like, this is really worth releasing. We need to put this out there. Um, and because it had it, it, the, the character, the characterization of the characters, the way the kids acted, um, the fact that it wasn't, uh, you know, glammed up the way that stuff happened, started doing in the late nineties, early two thousands, whenever you had like kids movies and stuff, you know, the kids weren't necessary in the eighties in the seventies and eighties, the kids weren't necessarily cute kids. They were just normal, average looking kids. And that's what you, you know, no offense to any of these kids, but that's what you had in stranger things in the first season. Um, and, but you, and so it felt like a relic from the eighties. Uh, it did. And so when you get to some of the stuff that's going on in stranger things four. Just the unbelievable kind of how are you how are how is this dude this conspiracy theorist guy and this this single mom who sells encyclopedias now from her home how are they going to infiltrate a Russian gulag to save the life of their friend and it's perfect eighties fodder because this is also the kind of stuff that happened in the eighties all the time how does this high school kid have the knowledge to stop thermonuclear destruction that he starts with his computer. You know what I mean? Like, Oh th- yeah. There were tons of those. There There's just four games. There was, um, was it, it wasn't the Manhattan project, but it was something like that. Somebody science project. They built a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying like, there's so many of these premises where, um, red dawn, you know, where an unlikely yeah. group of people are doing unlikely things. And, and you just kind of accept that premise and move forward with it. And that's what happened here with, with stranger things four is like, obviously this is outside of the realm of real life, but I'm accepting that there's an alternate dimension that's bleeding over into ours. And I'm accepting that people are being killed because of the mind tricks of this dude in this other dimension. So I'm just going to accept that in this world, uh, Joyce and, and Murray can, can break into a Russian gulag and get Hopper out. And get him back to America. <laughs> and what's so perfect about this is you're meeting up with somebody who's going to smuggle you in, right? Right. Because he smuggles other stuff mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. He's always going to the highest bidder. That's right. Yes. <laughs> you don't let him take you. Yes. 
So it doesn't make much sense, but that's I don't know what this comment means. I miss listening to someone that critiques a show but also doesn't sound like a YouTube grifter. I don't know. We're not selling something. Are we not selling something right? Are we not? Are we not putting the show over enough? Wait a second. We need to do this video. Hey, look. This is how I put on my makeup. Right. You could look as beautiful as I do if you just buy my product. I noticed something that no one else noticed when I was watching Stranger Things. By the way, if you're watching Stranger Things and you can't see it in your country, you need ExpressVPN. Um, Can I tell you about my T-shirt today? My T-shirt today is it's so wonderful. Somebody gave it to me. It's just the best thing ever. Are you losing your hair? Try Keeps.com. Um, hey, I look down and you say, are you losing your hair? No, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> What's that mean? Oh, I was just doing like the things they grift on YouTube, which by the way, I've always said this show is for sale. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm available to the highest bidder when it comes to sponsors. So please, I'll, I'll shill any product you want me to. Um, so please put those hearts up on, on Mixler. That's right. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, it helps us out with the algorithm. Uh, <laughs> The smuggler hustled peanut butter. That's right, Tenton. He did. He was hustling peanut, but he also had those weapons and everything. I, the thing t-shirts. is, t uh, uh, t-shirts. Yes, yes. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is like there, there was so much where this fell back into what I felt like were the original parameters of Stranger oh, Things. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we want to scare you a little bit. We want to have some fun. Um, we want to. Uh, we we want to to give you a nostalgic feeling, but we don't want to bring so much attention to everything. You know, this just is what it is. And, and the fact that going back to season three, I really felt like the spotlight on the mall and and maybe it was more the advertising than the execution of the show itself, but it really felt like we're being real cutesy with all of our references and everything. Now here, it was just like, all right, we're just back into this world and we're doing this. And it was a little bit scarier than some of the previous seasons. You know, Vecna is a scary dude. And yeah. and when you see uh when you see Max out in the graveyard, you know, like she is tormented over Billy's death. And and I think it's pretty cool that she's not tormented over the fact that because it comes out, she's not tormented over the fact that he died for her. She's tormented over the fact that she's okay with the fact that he's gone because he was such a jerk to her all her life. Um uh-huh. And, and, and so she's struggling with all these things and Vecna's using that as the end or the end to her head. And, and man, that scene in the, in the cemetery where the first time we see her go to float up, it's like, here's a character we legitimately care about. And so the stakes are high. I'm sorry. Didn't care about Chrissy when she died. Didn't care about the nerdy guy that was with, um, with Nancy when he died. You know what I mean? Like. Right. So suddenly someone, you know, I didn't care about the basketball player, but Max, she becomes our, we've got to keep Max safe. We've got to keep Max safe. You know, that sort of thing. And, um, and, and, and of course the way it ends with her, where she's at is just, it, it's one of the, I can't believe they went there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that they were take they took some bold steps and hopefully Max will be back and be okay. And they'll figure out a way to, bring her back to her mind and that sort of thing. But, you know, the, the fact that they did go all the way with, with getting her, I, I cringed, man, when she starts getting crunched in the house, I'm like, no, not her, not her. Right. And I keep yeah. thinking she's going to snap out of it, but how is she going to handle the pain? She's going to be in so much pain. And when she does, and she's like, I can't see, I can't see. And, and I, you just really, your heart broke for Lucas. Your heart broke for the whole situation. You know, they, 
I, I was just so much more invested into this season, I think. I, I, there's so much I like. I know I'm jumping all over the place. But I, well, I mean, we're, we're summing up a two part season. Right. Yeah, for sure. Off the cuff. <laughs> right. Off the, yeah, this is, by the way, I've got no notes, everybody. Hey, everybody, I got no notes. This uh, all came together 15 minutes before it came together. I surveyed a steak in, in beef fat and wagyu. Cheers, everybody. Um, by the way, my wife does say I may want, she may want to advertise, uh, Modair on the podcast. If you are suffering from aches and pains, and maybe you maybe you do need a little bit of thickening in the hair area and everything, have you tried collagen? Have you tried a little collagen? Uh, hit up my wife on Instagram and uh, ask her how she can help you get hooked up with some great products for health and wellness. I, I'll tell you what Haley thinks. What's that? Uh, she she thinks that if uh, season four was the first season, she wouldn't have watched it anymore. That's right. <laughs> That's yeah. She's she copied Angie. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, I, I want let's 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 try to break some stuff down here. Um, okay. I want to talk. Let's talk Hellfire Club first and foremost. I was never into Dr- Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, my parents, I think, bought into the evil. Uh, that they thought it was. And so it wasn't anything that we really ever were exposed to. Um, Early on in the eighties, everybody thought that this was causing people to die and mm -hmm. satanic panic and everything like that around 83. I think I started playing it in 83 or 84. My parents realized this is just a game. (laughs) And uh, by 85, there were a lot of us playing Dungeons and Dragons, so we were right yeah. in the, the frame. Eighty six, probably the middle of or beginning of eighty six. Also, yeah, I slowed down once I got into high school, fall of eighty six. So, well, changed. So I honestly, like, I've even thought about on Geek Out Loud um, doing a doing a series where we get some people and do a campaign over the course of a few episodes. But at the end of the day, I don't know what's involved in all that. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's that's not well, in my will. you got to have a Jeff Grimm or a Sam Whitwer to DM the whole thing. That's the thing. you got to well, have I'm not, a good dungeon well, master. I guess that's the other thing, too, is like I've seen these celebrity people do it, and I'm like, well, I don't want to look like I'm copying them at this point. You know, so... That's, oh yeah, well, that's not what you need to do. But um, see, like I said, Jeff Grimm, that's somebody you would never know. Right. He's, always been and still is in northeast kentucky but he was just an amazing dungeon master really yeah he could he could bring it in and anything anybody would throw at him he'd just work it into the story and and just everything was off the seat of his pants he just understood storytelling nice. which is all dnd is you're making a story together right well that's you know that's kind of the thing and and i so i never got into it but i did you know like we weren't even allowed to watch the cartoon you know, oh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the Danger. whole, yeah, just the whole idea of dungeons and or dragons were not welcome in our home. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I kind of am the outside looking in and I would have been wary of the kids wearing a hellfire club t-shirt. Now, the one thing I don't think people are really putting together is hellfire club actually comes from the X-Men. Yes. So, you know, that's another kind of element that when you're naming yourself something like that, when you've got your little group and it's named that, 
it seems like it just seems to be leaning into the whole satanic panic thing. You know, like, well, we are the Hellfire Club. Well, that didn't come from Dungeons and Dragons. That comes from X-Men. Mm-hmm. And and so I thought that was kind of a cool little thing. I, you know, they're all sitting at lunch together. I like that Dustin and Mike and even Lucas were in this group. You know, they found their place mm-hmm. outside of their own little circle because, you know, all we had was their party, you know, that, that we knew of when it came to the D&D stuff. And right. um, the, the, the bringing in Lucas's little sister into Hellfire Club when he's got the championship, the basketball championships – and and how she rolls to win the the quest and he shoots to win the game all at the same time was just a fun just montage montage well edited kind of little thing i just i thought this is the kind of the fun stuff that that you know these old the old 80s movies and stuff would have done but it also set up this whole tension between Lucas and the boys, which I don't like, but, you know, I understand it needs to be there. So there's that great reunion, but you know, that's something that's been a a thing since season one, Lucas and and Mike and them have parted ways a couple of times. Right. (laughs) Out of, out of not seeing eye to eye on things. So, well, isn't that what middle school and high school was? Sure. For a lot of people. Yeah. You'd have your friends and then that friend's group would splinter a little bit and there'd be two groups that some over here, some over there. Then later in the year you get back together. And, and then in high school, I don't know if it was like this with you, but it was for us. Uh, we always, the same group of us sat at the same couple tables. Sure. Yes, of course. For four years. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Always at the same table. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we had, you know, pickle races. I don't know about all that. Our our, our school buildings, our, our high school was mostly glass. And we'd throw the pickle off of the fake burger up on the window and watch them come down. Oh, wow. No, we Every did, day. We didn't do races. anything. We didn't do anything like that. We were bad. We, now, bad kids. I, I, I snuck extra of those fake burgers a lot of times on hamburger day. I would get it and I would smush the one down a whole lot and then just set the other one on top of it. So it looked like what? I was, yeah. Oh, ours came pre-wrapped. Well, they were wrapped. They were wrapped. They had, but it was loose plastic. It wasn't like wrapped up in foil, like a, like oh, you get it as foil. No, no, no. So oh. I was able to smush one down and then in its little plastic bag and then set the other on top of it. And I'd go through the line and have to only pay for the one. So, <sighs> I know. And see, we had a regular menu line mm-hmm. and then we had the pizza line mm-hmm. and we had the hamburger line. Mm-hmm. Hamburger line was reserved for, I got here late and it's a long line in the pizza line because the menu looks bad. But usually every day in high school, I had two, I bought, my, I bought two lunches. That would be a pizza, fries, and a milk with an extra piece of pizza. Mm-hmm. So I'd have three of those pieces of pizza, two orders of fries. Was this the square pizza milks. now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Universally known. Uh, listen, I, I, I don't want to get political here. But I feel like Michelle Obama ruined some great things about school lunch with all her well, stuff. I wouldn't care if it was Nancy Reagan who did it. They all ruined. <laughs> That's right. They ruined it. Whatever it was. If you ruined. took away square pizza and corn, you're the bad guy. By the way, <laughs> by the way, corn. We go to rodeo here in town. Not the rodeo, but but it's probably called rodeo. But there's a lot of Mexican restaurants around here named rodeo, mm-hmm. and they all have for, on the kids' menu the square pizza. Oh wow! So. 
if you ever don't know what to get at a Mexican restaurant, you can always get all lunchroom pizza. Well, I'll tell you this right now. I always found it hilarious that on our menu, when, they, when you look at the menu, pizza day, the side was corn. They'd have corn. <laughs> and I was always like, at what point do you go to a pizzeria or a pizza restaurant and you're like, what do you want to get with your pizza? Well, where's the corn? That's healthy, man. Pizza Hut was selling, you know, Pizza Hut was getting you to read your books in, cl- in school for reading is fun, for reading is fundamental, so you get a pizza party for your class. They didn't bring pizza and corn. They brought pizza, you know? It tasted entirely different. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm look, I'll pull up Domino's website right now. You know what I'm not going to find? Corn. So just make a salad, have a little salad to go with it, not corn. But anyway, so, um, but yeah, so, so their little group, having their group and everything. And then Eddie being this enigma, because really they do a great job with, in that first episode of, of you start out not liking Eddie. Yes. Um, and, and by the end of that episode, you're okay with him. And by the end of the, of the, of the season, by the end of the, uh, the chapter, you are completely on board with Eddie and well, yeah, he's just gone through this traumatic experience. Yeah. I mean, but you also kind of get to see the character that he is once he starts interacting, not in a dungeon master way, you know, not in the cool guy in the room way with like Dustin and the rest of them, you know, like he's, he's got some good quips in there. He's, you know, it's still well-written, but that whole image that he has to keep up at the school is now gone. Right. And he's a kid. Right. Well, he's a young man. <laughs> Even though he's he's older than the rest of them, he, his mind, he's still a kid. Right. You know, when, when everything comes down on him, he's panicked. He doesn't know what to do. Well, you know. Intent- and he really needs the other kids around him who are younger than he is. To kind of bring him out of it. Yeah, and Justin makes a great point. He says Eddie had a great story. He's kind of a hero's journey inside the other stories. He is kind of on his own little hero's journey yeah. there. And and what I like about it is the fact that what you see is a layered character. Because the Eddie we meet in the in in the D and D game and in the school and the cafeteria is not Eddie. It's right. it's the it's the facade he puts on uh, to hide the fact that he's living with his uncle because he's basically been abandoned by his parents and he's, you know, he doesn't, he's not really loved and that sort of thing. And so, and and so these are his friends. And now this traumatic thing has taken place. Like when he meets Chrissy, you know, he lets down his guard a little bit. He's like, I remember when we were in sixth grade and this happened, you know, and so that's a real thing, you know? And, and, and so when everything goes down so badly and everyone's immediately pointing the finger at him and he has to go into hiding and then, they find him and that, you know, they all begin to work out, you know, work the deal out together. Um, once they get into the upside down and, and you get that moment where, you know, he's finally there on top of the trailer with the guitar in hand, busting out some master of puppets. Um, it's just like, yes, this is what we want for this guy. But then when the bats get at him, you're like, no, this is again, it's a heart wrenching kind of thing because you've been invested down in this character and they weren't scared to take that away from us. Yeah, but then that gives Dustin that great moment with Eddie's uncle in the gym. Uh huh. You know where he's after the after the quote unquote earthquake, where he's just 
in tears, you know, talking about how good Eddie was and what a good dude he was and everything. And like you, you know, obviously it's chalked up to great writing, but also kudos to, to Dustin, the the actor there, I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not even going to try. Um, but what a great job in that scene to, to, to pull that out. And you're feeling it with Dustin as he's talking about this guy that he looked up to, that he, that he wanted to be like in some respects, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that he knew that, that Eddie had basically sacrificed himself for, uh, everyone else. To... Now, I didn't think they would go there with Eddie, by the way. I didn't either. I never thought they would put him in this position. I thought, oh, well, this isn't really going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Right. Now, apparently, and, and there's some theories out there that I've stumbled into. Apparently. Well, you you bumbled into Bumblefoot. I, yeah, I bumblefooted right into. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know anything about. Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but apparently this whole idea of Vecna is actually a real thing in D&D. It might be in certain stories. I don't know Vecna right offhand. I mean, when they came up with Mind Flayer, no problem. Mm-hmm. I know Mind Flayers, you know, straight right. out of the Monster Manual. I don't know Vecna. Okay. Well, um, uh, let me again. Let, I I stopped at some point in time. And sure. I, I well, here's here's what I'm going to do. Sorry. I'm I I'm not going to be like people, most people online, and I'm just going to be straight with everyone. Most people online, when something like this happens, like, oh yeah, I always love this. This is how it always is. I've always been into this thing. Blah blah blah. I know nothing about this. Um. So here is a here's an article called "Who Is Vecna? Everything You Need to Know About the D and D Stranger Things and Critical Role Villain." Um, Vecna got his start as a couple of magic items. Uh, before Vecna the Archleech, there was the Hand of Vecna and the Eye of Vecna. Two powerful magical oh, items. Oh, he's a lich? Uh, yeah, Archlich. Okay, L-I-C-H? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, it was, but it started out as the Hand of Vecna and the Eye of Vecna. Two powerful magical items released for D&D, um, in the early days. He first appeared in 1976's Eldritch Wizardry, a supplement for the original Dungeons and Dragons rules. Co-author Brian Bloom named two artifacts uh, in the supplement, the Hand of Vecna and the Eye of Vecna. They were alleged to be the only remnants of a terribly powerful lich of the same name who had been defeated ages ago. Um, Now I remember the Hand of Vecna. I thought it was just something that somebody said. Well, he's appeared that was probably in probably one of Jeff Grimm's campaigns we went on. Might have been. He's appeared in every version of D and D. Showing up in seventy six and, and and throughout there's been some version of him. A description of history was later expanded in eighty nine's advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um and appeared with a full body and demigod status in a number of adventure supplements for that edition. So um he uh he can be defeated. Um, well, anything can be defeated. That's the point. But with the caveat that you're fighting a weaker non-god incarnation of the villain is what it says, according to the official stat D&D block. Um, despite being elevated to god stat at some point during the course of his lore history, Vecna can be defeated. If you're using 5e e rules, I don't know what that means. You can, refer, you can refer to Vecna's stat block and reduce 
and deduce his weaknesses in combat. Uh, the first, is, the the two cat, the two important notes here. The first is that Vecna is presented as a killable monster in the game. It's only because this stat block represents him prior to his ascent to godhood. If, as the DM, you need some excuse as to why he is weak or killed before him, take note that he has mastered magic that allows him to travel through time. Thus, his appearance as a mortal could be a result of such temporal travels. He's um, not easy to defeat at all. So that's 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 what I'm getting. I just skimmed this article really quickly to read it. I've seen some other things where they talk about... Um, did Steve ever read Frent Dilly's book? I've got it. I, I've actually got it on on the Kindle app and uh, audiobook, Scott. And I have not, not I've started it, but I didn't. I haven't finished it yet. I've been I've been hip deep in in the Pendragon cycle and um in the Song of Albion trilogy. Oh, have you been reading Song of Albion? I've, again? I've started it up. Yeah. What a great trilogy! So, we got to talk about that sometime. Uh, exactly. Um. So anyhow, what I saw was is that the only way Vecna can be defeated or the person who defeats Vecna in D and D is like a vampire type character of some sort. What? And in fact, that might've actually been said in stranger things and the creators of stranger things has said that the bats can't kill people in stranger things. So Eddie. Okay. Let's, let's think about Eddie's. We know in, you know, Pop culture, right? Eddie Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some look there, right? Being right. Emulated, yeah. But what about Eddie Munster? Eddie Munster was a werewolf, not a vampire. But his hair looks more like a vampire. But now Eddie's name is Eddie Munson mm-hmm. in Stranger Things. Could it possibly be that maybe he's going to be the ultimate end of? Well, that's what. That's kind of the. That's the. Huh. That's the that's the rumor and the speculation out there, is that is that he's a he's a vampire, or he's coming back as some type of upside down vampire. Um, well, appara- yeah, that's how they sleep. That's true. I learned that in the Lost Boys. <laughs> <laughs> and wait a second. The next season will be 1987, which should be the Lost, Lost Boys? Boys. Really? That's what. The next one's going to be. It's going to be all Lost Boys, isn't it? Wasn't wow. Lost Boys '87? Yeah, yeah. I've just pulled it up for sure. Ah, uh, yeah. Listen, you know, I know, I know that unfortunately we Cor- could write the next one right now. I know that unfortunately Corey Haim's no longer with us. But yeah, I'm telling you what. If and I know Corey Feldman's going a little bit nutty. That's okay. He could be stranger. But I mean. I feel like they're going to do themselves a great disservice if with the breaking through to this side, look, they've done all this stunt casting. They had Sean Astin for crying out loud, Paul Reiser. You know, they've done a lot of stunt casting in these shows. Okay. Then why can't we get Kiefer Sutherland and, uh, don't you, don't you dare threaten me with a good time. And Don't whoever that, that guy was that was Corey uh, Haim's brother in that. Jason something. Jason. Corey Haim's brother? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Patrick. Patrick, I just yeah. pulled it up here. Michael was his name. Yeah, well, listen, I, I don't need him necessarily. Just bring me bring me Corey Feldman and Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, wouldn't that be something? <clears throat> and what I'd like to see is Kiefer Sutherland come in. I don't know. I, he needs to not be Jack Bauer. 
He needs to come in as um, as uh, 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 someone who's who's doing the work to clean up what's happened with the upside down bleeding through. Like I'd like to see him as part of that team, maybe military, because he keeps two books by his bed, the Marine Code of Conduct and the King James Bible. I answer to my superior officer and the Lord our God. That's from a few good men. Um, hey, is Scott around? Scott, call in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Scott's sitting right here. I yeah, mean, come on, Scott. Um, it's before his bedtime. But Ed Herman, who played Max, he's passed away, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But who was um, the head vampire? That was him. Max was the head oh, vampire. Oh, wait, he passed away? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, he was the granddad on Gilmore Girls. He passed away in 2014. So wow. Alex Winter was in the thing. So you could have him, Bill S. Preston Esquire. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. He's still around. Yep. He uh, made a movie, didn't he? They did do. They did a third Bill and Ted for sure. I'm just saying. I think there's some stunt casting they can do to really like drive this thing home in its final, you know, wrap up season or what have you. And uh, and I don't I don't think they should should back away from that. Oh no, you can't go go small at this point. No. 1987. If you don't pull in, I mean that's the perfect timing to do it. Yeah, if I think Vecna so. Vecna can be defeated by a vampire. What else are you gonna do? Yeah. I, that's, I, listen, I wasn't, I wasn't making the Lost Boys connections, but kudos to you for doing so. Well, you're the one who said that's when you found out they slipped upside down. Right. But I didn't catch on to Lost Boys still. Oh, I thought you did. I thought you were making the Lost Boys reference. No, that's probably where I learned it, but I wasn't connecting where I wasn't citing my sources. I just knew that. Look, here's, here's what they can do. Um, here are the, here are your top 10 highest grossing films of 1987. If they really want to go crazy, the witches of Eastwick was number right. 10. So there you go. So you bring in some witches, uh, lethal weapon, Danny Glover and, and Mel Gibson ride again. Okay. I'd, I'd see, I'd, I'd have them in stranger things. Witches of Eastwick isn't Jack Nicholson in that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. I don't think he's capable of. No, I'm not doing anything anymore. Uh, Emilio Estevez and Richard Dreyfuss' Stakeout was the number eight uh, highest grossing film. The Secret of My Success. Come on now. Michael J. Fox. J. Fox. We hadn't got enough of him in Stranger Things. The Untouchables. Unfortunately, Sean Connery, but um, uh, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner's busy out on the ranch. Oh, that's true. Rats. Moonstruck. That's Cher. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. We need Nicholas Cage in Stranger Things. Hmm. He's uh, kind of making a comeback. He's in lots of stuff now. Good morning. Or Viet- maybe it's just the stuff that pops up on my streaming services. It's old stuff, maybe. Yeah. Good morning, Vietnam. The late great Robin Williams. Wasn't yeah. Forrest Whitaker in that? Yes. All right. We'll bring in Saul Guerrero. It is Vecna. Boy, you know, I, I, total sidebar now, but I, I wasn't at all interested in uh, Andor. Oh, yeah, and until you I found out Saul, yeah, Saul Guerrero's going to be in it. Oh, man, I'm all in. It looks so good. I don't know that I'm all in yet. I'm all in. I'm going to watch it. But I'll check it out for sure. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker as a detective. That's great, Daniel and Andy. Yes. 
Yes, I say, bring Forrest Whitaker in as a detective. And then uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 was the number three highest grossing film in 1987. Yes. I'll take Eddie Murphy in a in a Stranger Things film. <laughs> he did The Haunted Mansion, for crying out loud. He oh, can do Stranger true. Things. Um, I, I And then uh, Fatal Attraction is uh is number two that's glenn close isn't it glenn close michael douglas yeah is that right yeah i think so so glenn close come on and then of course the scariest movie of all time at the number one spot the number one highest grossing film in 1987 was ladies and gentlemen drum roll please three men and a baby what mm-hmm well, we can leave that one out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it, it doesn't fit in the genre. So, so Lost Boys is nowhere in that loop. No, not at all, which is really surprising to me. But just for uh, kicks and giggles here really quickly, um, the James Bond franchise celebrated its 25th anniversary with the premiere of Living Daylights in June. Is that the first... Uh Oh, who was that's was Timothy, that Timothy Dalton. Dalton? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was his first one. So have Timothy Dalton show up as something. Let's just really well, you know if we're gonna 1987 Cold War still on. We can have mm -hmm. uh, the British involved in this once they realize the Russians are involved. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The Russian plot's still on. Don't don't forget that's still there. They still have this portal over there. Looking at some other releases of the year, Mannequin was released in February of 1987. <laughs> <laughs> and we can build this dream to I think that's actually from Mannequin 2, by the way. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Now, Shaz. See, but see, this one was, was this, Dream Warriors. This one was kind of Dream Warriors, but what a great... But now, here's the thing, though. We're assuming it, it'll be in... 87, I think it's got to pick up right where it kind of left off. And end in 87? Maybe end in 87 because they, you know, they, listen, the, the, the upside down has broken through and you can't just let them hang out in that for, you know, six or eight months. Can you? No, no. I mean, the city's demolished, man. Right. Evil. Something's got to be done, and it you know it. You could bring Timothy Dalton in. Think about it, because if something of this magnitude happens, and you know NATO's got to get involved, with you would with, think, yeah, you would think somewhere somehow the government is going to to get the themselves game involved. Of risk is going to be so important this time. You think that's going to be the game? I don't think they're going to abandon their Dungeons and Dragons stuff because Kamchatka. Is the key to risk, because that's your gateway. You can you can cross the globe through Kamchatka. You control that. You control the two superpowers. You are saying words that I don't understand. You never played Risk. Um, you know what? No, that I'm was gonna... more 1984, 85 for us. I, I had friends that we that tried to get me to play it, and it just I got so bored with it. Oh, man, it was so good. Yeah. Well, it was a board game, man. I was bored playing it. <laughs> so there's that. Irkutsk. Um, Chatka. But uh, I learned to speak Russian. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know you learned to speak Russian playing Risk. 
Only the names of those countries. I didn't know that opportunity would present itself, or I probably would have played. Like, who doesn't want to learn to speak Russian? Exactly. Yeah. I can say all those funny words. That's like everything I learned about finance I learned from playing Monopoly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel like most people did. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else we got here uh, in 87. Uh, Police Academy 4. I don't remember Police Academy 4. That was Citizens on Patrol. Oh, was it really? Is that uh, Steve Gutenberg's not in that, huh? Yeah, he's in that one. Oh, he is in that. He one. Steve Gutenberg was in one, two, three, and four. I think he wasn't in five. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I think that's when he stopped being in them. Project X. What? Oh, the monkey. The monkey. Yeah, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. You know what? I'm surprised we hadn't seen Matthew Broderick in in a Stranger Thing. No, he's got other stuff going on. Yeah, isn't What's... he like on Broadway? Oh, I don't know. Probably. Uh, G.I. Joe the movie? Where Duke does not die. No, he's in a coma. And uh, at the end, he's fine. Oh, wait a second. Who who comes in, in that one? Uh, that's that's all the weird stuff where the Cobra commander turns into a snake and you've got Golobulus. And... No, I, I know. I was thinking a voice actor, though, who came oh, in. Oh, Don Johnson. It was Don Johnson. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of G.I. Joe, Flint, you know, he came yeah. in around that time, didn't he? Yeah. Flint. I wonder where they got that name. Rifen. Rifen. Where'd they get that name, Flint? Flint Dilly. You're not Rifen. Oh, I'm sorry. But that's a good guess. Now, listen, one of the greatest movies to ever grace the cinema was released in 1987. Can't remember. Can't believe I didn't remember this. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see Hawkins saved by a substance called Exeronius uh, from the film Ernest Goes to Camp. Of course you would. I am sitting here trying and trying and trying to think of what came out in 87. I forgot you were an Ernest maniac. I'm not an Ernest, I was not an Ernest maniac, but I respect Ernest, and I think everyone should. <laughs> The most powerful substance known to man, Exeronius. That's what's going to save Hawkins. Oh, who was the guy? Who was in that? I need to. I need to get the. I need to. All right, IMDb. Here I come, Ernest. I, when was the last time anyone IMDb'd Ernest goes to camp? The last time you did. Okay, so the big guy who was the cook. Uh, the guy movie. who was in uh, uh, Pee Wee's movie, right? No, that's a different it's not dude. Not the same guy. Mm-mm, not the same guy at all. Um, the dude. Oh, you're thinking the dude with the black hair. I'm thinking of. I don't know. I think I, I think this is the guy. Yeah, his name is Gaylord Sartain. I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he was a he was a heavy set dude, and he he's one of those faces that you just saw him all over the place in the '80s. That's probably who I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, the guy who played uh, in Pee Wee's uh, Big Adventure was, um, there was something else he was in where he was, he was in Teen Wolf. As Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chuck. Yeah. Wasn't his name Chuck? Chunk. Chunk? Was I it believe, Chunk? Mm-hmm, I think so. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyhow, this dude 
was fantastic. He's probably passed by now. Um, no, no date of death. But he hasn't been in anything since 2005. So he may not be around. But let me tell you something. They could have him show up as a cook trying to figure out the secret to Exeronius. I'm all over I, that. I don't think they're going that direction, Steve. They well, did that in uh, season three, and you didn't like it, and so they're listening. But the, but here's the thing. In season three, was there any earnest references? No. No, there was not. So they could they could have par- they could take turtles and parachute turtles down on the outside town and have them get stuck to everyone's nose. They could fire a, a, a flaming toilet at them, you know, out of the main bar. What's that? Not a main bar. Hey, you know what I mean? Um, listen, if you've not visited Ernest Goes to Camp in a while, I think you should revisit Ernest Goes to Camp. It's a great movie. Great movie. One of those uh, the, the underrated films of the year, huh? I don't think it was underrated. I think it was properly rated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just check Well, you said it was a great movie. I love it. Uh, it's a great experience. I unironically love Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> and I will not stand for people, you know, giving it a hard time. Like I'm surprised you're not into Ernest Goes to Camp. That's it. Seems to me like it'd be one of those things that's right up your alley. Like, like that you'd still be making uh, stuff out. Harry and the Hendersons, Bigfoot fights Vecna. Harry and the Hendersons is what 1985. 87, though, 87. Is it really? Yep, yep. I love it. Me some Harry and the Hendersons. Dude, Predator came out in 87. Really? Now, okay. There's all kinds of possibilities now. By the way, I drove by a Bigfoot just yesterday in the middle of town. Shut up. I thought, next time Steve comes, we're getting pictures. The the Tom Hanks, uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd um, vehicle, Dragnet. That's a vehicle? A Dragnet is a vehicle? Well, I I'm, it I'm, was... The movie, I mean. Is, oh, you know. oh. Okay. Um, Spaceballs was 87. Spaceballs was 87. Yeah. Adventures in Babysitting was 87. Let's see what else we got. Jaws the Revenge. This time By it's the personal. Way, Jaws is here in town in 3D this weekend. Like the original Jaws or Jaws like, 3D? Not Jaws 3D, like Jaws 1975 in 3D. I would never want to see that. That's that, that's not interesting in 3D. It's in a theater, man. I'm, I'm all excited. That's cool. About this. That part is cool. But. <laughs> Like, there's nothing going to be popping at your face in 3D. No, but sometimes 3D is good just for the depth. Yeah, mate, that's true. I mean, yeah, that's right. They do Man they do 3D different. 3D, mm-hmm. so good. So good. Uh, but Jaws the Revenge, man, this time it's personal. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, uh, was that Jason Patrick, too? Was Jason Patrick in that? I don't think so. Who was that in that? Um, that was uh, Mario Van Peebles was in that. Michael Caine was in that. Michael Caine. I wouldn't turn down Michael Caine showing up in Stranger Things. What else was Jason Patrick in? He was in some like skating movie, wasn't he? Solar Babies? Uh, You have lost me on Solar Babies, sir. That's okay. Don't look it up. I'm not. (laughs) It's uh, it's one of those that you can just never, never see. Plus, uh, the girl from uh, Lost Boys was in that also. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think the dude from... You know what? The dude who is in Jaws Revenge, he does look kind of like 
Um, he looks like him, but he's not him. He's not him, no. Yeah. I think his name is Lance Guest. No. No? Was it Lance Guest, really? Yes, it was Lance Guest. The last Starfighter was was in Jaws 4. He was the he it's was Lance. the titular personal in Jaws 4. <laughs> he was he played Michael, yeah. He was Mike. Yeah. yeah. I had forgotten that was Lance Guest. He's got a beard though in it, doesn't he? No. He does not. Mm-mm. No. How did I forget it was Lance Guest? Lance Guest is the last Starfighter. Yeah, he sure is. Let's see. F- rounding out 87 here, RoboCop. Come on. Come on now. Uh, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace was great. Um, Superman 3. Masters of the Universe was 87. Yes, it was. Um, the it Monster was. Squad was 87. Um, Dirty Dancing was 87. No, I had the time of my life. Now, seven was not my favorite movie year, man. Now, you, but I could totally see them doing some time of my life. They did the darn, um, who's going to be the couple in time of my life? Well, I think that, uh, Nancy and Jonathan, Mm. Nancy and Steve. Are you Team Steve or Team Jonathan? Uh, before or after season four? Uh, before. I was Jonathan. Okay. Four turned you around on Steve, huh? Uh, and Jonathan. Jonathan just threw his life away, man. He really did. Yeah, Jonathan wasted his talent for sure. <laughs> That's true. I'll give you that. Jonathan Jonathan got out there and just threw his, threw his talent away. I'll, you I'll know give what's you so that. crazy? Eddie becomes a hero, and Jonathan loses cred. Yeah, me. yeah, that's true. House two, the second story, that's interesting. No, well, that was house eighty-seven. One is plenty. What I'm saying though is, it's like we're talking about the house. Oh, and the house is, you know, you might have something there. Is what William Hurt? What's it? Is it William Hurt? What's the name of the guy? Last uh, Wait, the greatest American hero. Oh, that's house. uh uh. uh Cat. Cats. Cats, yeah. Cat. Um, he wasn't in House 2, was he? No. No, somebody else, yeah. Mm-hmm. I liked House. I never saw it. Um, Hellraiser was inter- we were introduced to Hellraiser in 1987. Okay. This is all coming together cuz cuz Vecna looks a lot like Hellraiser. He does. He does. The Princess Bride in 87. Now that's where you're going to get your your love song. Hey, are you gonna? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who's not coming out of Princess Bride. I'll tell you who's not scared to making a make a cameo or make an appearance in something, and that is old Billy Crystal. Well, I was thinking Carrie Elwes is not uh, Carrie Elwes. Yeah, Wesley himself. He's a uh, an art thief, isn't he? In Psyche is yeah yeah yeah. Oh, I love that show so much. What a great show. Um, let's see what else, if anything else of note came about. Um. Mm, let's see. No, no, I'm not seeing anything. Uh, nope. The Running Man in November of that year. Running Man. Mm-hmm. That's a book that's better than the movie. That's a. Oh, you shut your mouth, sir. The Running Man is this wonderfully absurd thing that is just so much fun. It is so much fun. Yeah, it's a whole different movie. Teen Wolf Two. 
Yep, that's we don't we don't need Jason Bateman showing up in Stranger Things. Better left uh, before. But okay, this is the second time I've thought of Jason Bateman in this discussion. Mm-hmm. You said kids in the eighties were just kids. Mm-hmm. But I mean, immediately when I think about eighties kids, I think about Silver Spoons, Silver Spoons, Ricky Schroeder, and yeah, Jason Bateman. Yeah, Jason Bateman. but the thing is, is like, in I, I think I'm thinking more of movies than TV. Because, oh, okay. because what would happen too in the TV show, because you think of like a Punky Brewster, I'm thinking of like younger kids. When you hit the teenagers, yeah, they were looking for their teen heartthrobs to put in the Tiger Beat Silver magazines. Spoons was younger kids. Do what? Silver Spoons was younger kids. How, but, they weren't really teens. But he was also a preppy kid, though, too. He, he wasn't, was a preppy kid. He wasn't an average, ordinary kid. That's, he was and rich. That's the whole play of it. Yeah. yeah, it's a Silver Spoon, for crying out loud. Um, Running Man is totally something they would do. I could see that getting post-apocalyptic. Uh, throw Mama from the Train. Um, <laughs> that was on TV the other day. Uh, and uh, Leonard Part Six won't have anything from there. No, there won't be anything there. No, and that's about it. Empire of the Sun. So Empire of the Sun, Batman first appearance. What? Wasn't that Empire of the Sun? No, Empire of the Sun is a Steven Spielberg movie. Yeah, um, kid. Uh, the kid in the movie. Uh, I never saw it. I don't know what it's about. He's Batman. Oh, really? He's Batman. Christian Bale? Batman yeah, Christian Bale. I think that was Christian Bale in that, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. I just had a list of movies up, and I would click on them to see what was what. I think it was Empire of the Sun. Let me. I'll look real quick. Here we go. Uh, Steven Spielberg, Tom Stubbard. Christian Bale, yeah. Top billing right there. Yeah, he was the kid. John Malkovich. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Uh, <laughs> I've gone, I'm sorry. You know what? You got me off the rails. Well, I've been trying to for the past three hours. Talking I mean, I've been Transformers on TV. For- <laughs> well, I didn't look at the video while we were talking. I was very honest about that. Um, yeah, man. I Look, the, the, uh, overall, like when... I. I really thought it was going to end. I think that's the other thing that as I look at uh, season four, chapter four, I thought this was going to be it. I, and especially as the story was going along and, and you were able to, and you see the kids and everything. I thought, man, this is it. They're, they're not going to take it past this. And then you turn around and the way it ends, man, yep. it, it does. It, it It's that perfect eighties kind of thing as well, where it's like, we've just gotten this, we've made this thing so big that what we do now has to be big. And that's one of those things that could either ruin a franchise back in the day or just kick it up to a whole new level. Yes. You know. Now, now I have a question. Mm-hmm. How long ago were the bats going to be something in this show? I, I think I know why you're bringing that up. Why am I bringing this up? Because the lady in Jackson... Yep. Said something about all the stuff flying out of the courthouse. Right. Yeah. And this is the first time we've seen that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So this is somewhere on a cutting room floor from season two. Maybe so. Maybe so. That would be interesting to see. Like, that's the one thing that I haven't, that's the one thing I haven't really done with this show a lot is dig into a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, you know, whereas used to, uh, you know, I'd be 
seeking stuff out to find out yeah. what you know yeah. all the little ins and outs here and and because it's you know obviously the death of physical media you know because it's on Netflix there's no need to go buy anything stranger things I can watch it on Netflix you know you're telling me the death of physical media you know what I haven't gotten what's that I haven't gotten Clone Wars the final season on Blu-ray is it available I've... no nothing's right. available on Blu-ray anymore right with all so the cool special features and off, commentaries, and, right? With all the cool special features and commentaries and things, you know, yep. like, and 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 I would devour some special features back in the day. Yes, um, you know, I think all of us would. I think special I don't. I'm features. obviously I'm watch ILM Light and Magic. I've not watched that yet. Oh, whoa, it's great. Is it? It's so great. I've enjoyed that immensely, and 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 to think, you know, I've met some of these people along the way now. Yeah, it's kind of cool. That it's these very are cool. Heroes. These are names we've known our whole lifetimes, mm -hmm. and these were our heroes. Right. And, and they're talking about, you know, they saw these things. They thought we could have done that. You know, that never crossed my mind while I was watching the behind the scenes stuff. Mm. I never thought about doing this stuff. Right. Right. Too old now. Nah, you're not too old. Too old to begin the training. Yes, I am. I got other work to do. Uh, powerful Jedi was he. What'd you always think it was? How fortunate. How fortunate. How fortunate was <laughs> he. How fortunate. He was gigging him. He was gigging him the whole time. Oh, you want to be a Jedi, he, do you? Your dad, Jedi? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how, how'd that suit him? Got killed by Vader, I heard. You know, that's what I was hearing. Wow. That's what I was hearing in my mind. This is 1980. You're the only one that was hearing that. Nah. Nah. There at least another. There is another? Yeah, see, he said that. Okay. There was at least another. <laughs> he said it for you. Uh, listen, there's going to be some... Who heard what he was really saying. There's going to be some kid in the theater that doesn't understand what he's saying, but there'll be another. So we'll make sure we put Yoda saying that so that kid feels like he's heard. Here's what we'll do. Here's what's going to happen. Here's, uh, here's well, what's going to happen. The, the overdub that it's something entirely different. <laughs> Everybody will believe that. When it's released on home video, we'll change it up completely. Mm -hmm. This will start a whole trend where I'm changing movies for the rest of my life. I was he. How fortunate was he? He didn't say how fortunate was he. He did. I'm sorry. What he said. I'm sorry, Shaz. He did not. Anyway, um, so oh, I, I, I'm a... but yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to see just how big they go in season five like this is one of those things that can't be ignored no they've no no you don't have an earthquake in a town and and it's ignored now granted there is the uh uh new madrid fault there fairly close well my thing is it's one thing that it's an earthquake but what happens there at the very end is as all the stuff of the upside down starts spilling into hawkins and so now you're dealing with almost an invasion type situation. This is where we're going to go international. I think as far as like bringing in other countries and stuff. Yeah. Because the outside Russians of Russia. There. Yeah. We still have the Russian involvement on the other side of this thing. Yeah, maybe it hasn't been finished off. We've, we've got a rescue from Russia, but we haven't dealt with the Russians still have that link over there. Right. We're going to have to finish, wrap that up, too. Oh, that's true. They've got their little gateway, don't they? That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid Russians. Man. When did Sting do that song that the Russians let their children to? 
I don't know. Did I don't remember that song. What? You heard me. That's a song? Come on. Something about I hope the Russians love their children too. It was it had to be in the Cold War. I hope the Russians love their children too. Isn't that, Is that a thing? Where's Lisa Cypher when we need her? <laughs> She's our music expert these days on all things pop music. She's here. I hope the Russians love their children too. Are you mean? Are you talking about? Do they know it's Christmas time? No. Lisa says no. yes. That's a song. I think it's just called Russians. I think it's just called Russians. There's no way there's a song that's just called Russians. Okay, maybe not. But it is a song. Look, it does exist. I love you, my man. <laughs> it had to be late 80s. Because, I mean, Cold War's over. What, 1989? Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Rifen would be your man on that. Straight talk. Yep. Yep, yep, Monday through Fridays on WGIG, also WTSK out of Savannah. Yes, that's a song. Hold, please. She's checking it out for us. She's finding out what we got here. So, um, she's gonna get it. She's gonna get it. So, I have complete faith. Do we need the the yellow? It is called Russians. Wow. We have a winner on the twenty five thousand dollar pyramid. It is. The fortunate wow. one himself. No, it's not the fortunate one. Um, how does one see? Someone's trying to chat in here. What? Did you send me a chat? Negative, Ghost Rider. Okay, I don't know how to look at other things. Open recent chats. There's nothing there. Last thing I have in the chat is uh, the link to... The RSS feed. Okay. Yep. Yep. It might just be to you. Maybe. Uh, I don't know how to. Scott might have gotten off of the bike. He might have. Is it that time? Is it time for him to get off the bike? I don't know. I don't know when he got on. I don't either. So uh, it's about time for me to get off the bike, though. Um, yeah. It. it Anyhow, I, I'm looking forward to season five. Stranger Things four, after my mild disappointment with three, really up the stakes for me. I love Eleven's getting her powers back. That whole sequence and and what comes to fruition outside as Papa dies and all that good stuff. I I liked uh, I, I liked the the stuff with uh, with what was happening back in Hawkins, which was a more it all it seemed to have higher stakes than what. Mike and Will and Jonathan that we're going through because there was so much comedy with Argyle with them. Yeah. But when you really think about just 11 in isolation with what she ends up being put through, you realize, Oh my gosh, especially when the military shows up and starts killing everybody in the, in the bunker there. Oh, I'm telling you, that's a whole other issue. Mm -hmm. The whole early years of, of 11. Right. And Vecna himself is one, isn't he? Yeah, he's one. He's yeah. one. Mm -hmm. So, oh, by the way, Russians came out in 1985. Nice. We'll have to. I have to find that and listen to it. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, that's a whole 
see, this is more than just one episode. We just kind of overviewed some stuff. And that's true. I, I do think this one is the best we've seen since season one. Do they know it's Christmas time? Thank you, Sting. Wow. Sting yeah. Sting making big waves in, in the political arena in those days. I'll tell you what. Whenever that song came out, it finally hit me. As a kid, nobody wants to shoot a nuclear bomb. No. Nobody <laughs> no, at all. Nobody. No. That's the dirty little secret they didn't want to tell you back in those days. Yeah. 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 I, this is really... I, Skype has changed and done something weird that I can't see anyone else... Here. Okay, here we go. Let's see. You can't see anyone else? No. That's because I'm the only one on camera, dude. Right. No, no, no. Like, I can't even see, like, any other menu part, like, where I can see my contact list or anything. More. Well, I did. Or am I running an old version? Mm. I'm probably running an old version. I haven't updated anything on this computer in years. It's really strange. I don't know. But anyhow... Um, before we go, there's a couple of things I want to do because I do need to wrap it up. There's a couple of things I want to do, uh, with, with us. We had, I didn't get into any of these articles. Um, so let's, let's do this real quick. I want to do this real quick. Jimmy and Georgia sent us several. I should probably just do a a whole other episode, big honking show style, which we may do. Um, Canadian man uses giant billboard to get rid of leftover dairy product in fridge. He found a food item in his fridge using a billboard to clean house. Um, Angel Domingo, a 48-year-old who recently moved to a home in Toronto, wanted to get rid of a stick of string cheese after he found it in his new fridge. I'm sorry. He placed an ad for the cheese on Canadian advertising site Kiji, but after he received no takers, he wanted to see how a billboard could come to his aid. It's a pretty good cheese string. I haven't seen a cheese string in a long time, and I think you know... It's of some value. I wanted to get rid of it. Wait a second. Right. A cheese string? You okay, you know what I, you know the little string cheese things they made back in the several years ago they started coming out with them where you basically it's a tube of it's like a little rod of cheese and a plastic wrapper you open it up and you can kind of pull it apart, you know, in little strings and munch on. Yeah, but he found this in a fridge? He found one. One little two one little rod of string cheese one that's that's the way i'm reading this yeah and he's trying to sell it yeah it, it what's the expiration date i i don't know it, it it's it's pretty good cheese string 
haven't haven't seen a cheese string in a long time. I think you know, you know, it's has one cheese string. Right. The ad placed in Toronto's billboard-laden Yongdunda Square asked Canadians if they wanted to trade for the Black Diamond brand dairy product with quote no lowballs unquote. Mm. Move past that. Domingo, I think he wanted no low offers. Domingo right. admitted the string cheese is the strangest thing. There you go. He's ever had to offer. But the billboard, which went live earlier this week, has caused offers to appear in droves, according to Global News. Some of the offers have included Persian cats, someone's girlfriend, and a unique box of Lucky Charms cereal, he told Narcity. They said they would pick it up, though, so it was only charms. I thought that was pretty nice, but if I had time, I'd, I'd do that myself. Okay, he meant... So they were only someone was offering only marshmallows. They okay, would go through and, and give him just the marshmallows. But he's okay. like, if I had the time, I'd do that myself. You can buy that. Anyway, Domingo wouldn't tell the Canadian news outlets how much he paid for the billboard, but he's still waiting for the right trade. I've been telling everybody the same thing when they ask me what I'm looking for. It's like you'll know it when you see it. Dude, you better strike while the iron's hot. Dude, that I, I think that's that iron's been cold for a while. This is cheese that's been sitting in a refrigerator, and this is the last package of it left. How long has it been there, and how does he know it's good? Black, He's opened the package. Black Diamond String Cheese. I just discovered that, or I just Googled that, rather, and it is from Canada. It's a Canadian brand. Uh, it's not like it's unavailable. You can get it at walmart there in canada uh ladies and gentlemen for five bucks for a pack of 16 and so he's got one right mm -hmm. just because i had just because you hadn't seen it in a long time doesn't mean that it doesn't exist anymore i think that's the takeaway here sir so a, a, a low ball would be you want a quarter and you're not taking anything less yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hey, don't be lowballing me here on this thing now. Look, I'm, don't you be a hoser. Don't you be a smelly hoser and lowball me. Yeah, he wants an American quarter. That's right. I, yeah, I need some of that American money while, it, while it's still good. <laughs> well, I can actually spend it on something. Um, and then, and then and Scott, I don't, I mean, Shaz, I don't know if this, uh, if this is, is, I don't know if this portends things that are about to be coming in our society. Um, but a man in a pumpkin boat paddles 38 miles down the Missouri River in an attempt to beat the world record. And he did it. Dwayne Hansen may have broken the Guinness World Record by paddling an 846-pound pumpkin he turned into a makeshift boat down the Missouri River. 12 miles. Well... While most typically celebrate their birthday with cake and a song, one man focused on a giant pumpkin in the Guinness World Record. Nebraska resident Dwayne Hansen. You know what? Do we give this guy this? Yes. So you think he is? Oh, yes. All right. Well, you know, sometimes we celebrate the triumph of the human spirit over all manner of adversity. We call that a real-life superhero.
Now, look, don't think that he was uh, setting a record, ladies and gentlemen. He was hoping to beat the previous record for longest journey by pumpkin. Why this is, is there? Story I heard yesterday. This is a great story. But why is there? Why is there a record for longest journey by pumpkin? Oh come on, man! People people float down the river and all kinds of things. The first if you can grow a four hundred and seventy nine pound pumpkin <laughs> and carve it out to where you can sit in it. I'm sorry, Shaz. Eight hundred and forty six pound pumpkin. Okay, I got the numbers wrong. It was eight hundred and forty six pounds. Yeah, yeah. You know where he got the idea? I don't know. He met the last record holder. <laughs> I'll give you that. Like, Wait a second. I can, I can do that. I can beat that. But well, here's the thing. I, what I'm curious about, when I'm hearing this story, because I'm sure he just carves it out. Maybe maybe he you know, puts a shellacking on it so that it doesn't leak. Put a shellacking. But he sits in it. Now, when you're paddling and you're on a river, if, you're, if you don't have a, a nice shape to your vessel, you're going to be spinning. <laughs> right? Right, right. Yeah, How that's you true. Keep this direction going. That's you make a great point. Yeah, you you have to be ready to. Uh, you, yeah, you're right. Um. Anyway, look, the previous record was set with a 15 mile trek in Washington. Oh, I thought this guy only did 12. Let's Rick Swenson beat this in a gourd of his own with a 25 and a half mile ride down the Red River in 2016. Which Hanson aimed to trounce. Hanson thus endeavored to paddle his pumpkin for 38 miles from Bellevue's public boat docks to Nebraska City. Hanson left around 7.30 a.m. and arrived after 6.30 p.m. with a passion for gardening inspiring him to do so. I don't know. I don't think this has anything to do with gardening. I think this is boating. No, no, no. He had to grow the pumpkin. Mr. Hanson is a longtime Nebraska resident who, who enjoys growing large pumpkins, gourds, and other vegetables as a hobby. Wow. Can you imagine wow. an 840, how many pounds? 846 pounds. 846 pound pumpkin. Wow. How big is that thing? He endured the 11 hour journey with a cup holder carved into the hole of the SS Berta, written on, which was written on the back. Um, his Syracuse, Nebraska based family and friends cheered him on from land, though some did trail behind him in an actual boat just in case something went wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> hey, buddy, we're going to get in a real boat in case something goes wrong. That's a good idea. Well, yeah. Of course, it's a good idea. You know what they had in the boat in case something went wrong? Uh, Cinnamon, nutmeg, some cloves, some allspice, ginger. You jerk. Total jerk. You make me so mad. So my question is, is is this man officially blamed this year for kicking off pumpkin spice season with this stunt? Because he, he may be a real-life superhero for breaking the record, but he could also be a smooth criminal for kicking this off. Please. Just explain to me why this can't be a year-round thing. Then everyone won't be excited about it. Oh, I love pumpkin spice. I love pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice is the best. Everyone likes pumpkin spice. Stop, salivate, and listen. The flavor's back with an autumn glisten. Sweet.
weakness grabs a hold of me tightly a bowl in a spoon i eat daily and nightly will i ever stop yo i don't know add it to clorox and close glow to the extreme i'm like an old country bumpkin the fragrance it hits me it smells like a pumpkin pie when it tastes so fine ready for the season like the leaves and it'll change my mind when i'm pouring the milk in the bowl pour too much in a russian i'm a loose can love it believe it you gotta chew soon you gotta use the right spoon no other way it back to my mouth and I taste it cinnamon nutmeg and ginger don't waste it spice spice baby It's a jack-o'-lantern When you're talking spice Then there's no bacon I'd rather be eating A pound of bacon Seasonal Like it ain't artificial I go crazy When I hear them all Talk about that In a soup or an Oreo It's in a roll And they put it in Fro-yo rolling Get up in some dough With cinnamon But only for show The yuppies on standby At Starbucks in the line Did you stop? No, I just drove by Kept on Pursuing to the next stop I busted left And headed to the next block It was there again Yo, so I continued To pass the spice And you should too Lattes, hot, tall, vintagrant, skinny No matter the size, I don't want any Pumpkin spice anywhere near mine Maybe a glaze of the crispy kind Ready for the pumpkin to fall The folks are acting ill cause they're full of spice, y'all Spice shots just to make us sell Licorice vines and cheese and shells People will buy it up so fast Jump in the car, burn up the gas Bumper to bumper, the Starbucks is packed I try to get away, but peppermint's next Flavor on the scene, you know what I mean They get to winter and it's all that they scream This is a problem, yo, I can't solve it, but check out the hook while my boy Shaz revolves it. Spice, spice, baby. I can do during the fall. The fall is great for pumpkin spice. Oh, just add pumpkin spice to your Hasbro fingers. Your <laughs> Constable Zuvio. Pumpkin spice. It works, I'm telling you. That'll get rid of them. Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> Mommy, I want a dozen Constable Zuvios with pumpkin spice. Spice, spice, baby. Lattes, pumpkin spice donuts, pumpkin spice, you know, your mama's, all this. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm sick and tired of pumpkin spice, whatever. Just have it year-round. Guess what? It's an artificial freaking plate. So why don't you just go and suck an egg, you egg suckers? It's like the pumpkin spice. I'm indifferent. I'd rather have pumpkin spice sweets. I'm indifferent. I'm mad. I'm indifferent. I'd rather have pumpkin spice sweets. You're a millennial. This person who wrote that is a millennial. I bet you cry at, like, stupid stuff in life, too. Well, have your pumpkin spice sweets. It's freaking fall. You shut up. You shut up.
I don't know if we lost Shaz in the midst of that or not because, yeah, uh, Skype went weird on me. Skype, Skype, baby, instead of Spice, Spice, baby. So tired of Skype being stupid. Um, anyway, uh, so that's one thing I wanted to do was that and um, talk about some of these stories because Jimmy and Georgia were so good to uh, send them into us. So, uh, and then I have one other thing. You know, one of the things that I set out to do a little while back was um, was uh, was get get something on the YouTube going. And um, let me turn this down a little bit. Get Shaz back here. Well, he's not going to answer this time. That's all right. Shaz, you there with us now? Shaz? Oh, let me turn you up. Shaz? Shaz, did you come back? Did that not work? I think it came back. I tried to answer. Let me check my settings. Don't hang up. As far as I know, but I can't hear myself or can't see myself. Well, I can hear you, but I can't see you. Am I here now? You're here. Um, I thought I was back. You're back. There you go. You're back. There I am. I yeah. can hear you now. Great. Good. Sorry about that. Mixler, but that's it. Yeah, things got crazy. Um, because that's a big honking pumpkin. Yeah, it is. It is. That's that's what we're talking about. Um, so yeah, Scott did try to chat in, and for whatever reason, my Skype settings were so messed up that I don't know. Something went crazy, but I want to do that. And then this is the other thing I want to do. <clears throat> Have you ever been to the eye doctor, Shaz? Uh, yes, in 1991. Okay. Um, when I was uh, when thinking about doing the YouTube thing again, one of the problems we have a lot with, with all of my stuff is I like to use a lot of copyrighted stuff. And I try to use it fair use-wise and, and not over, you know, not, not, not cheat anybody out of anything. So... You know, so on Rock Out Loud, we'd play clips limited and that sort of thing. But you can get a lot more away with a lot more on podcasting uh, than you can on the YouTube. So I need some new audio stuff for the YouTube if I'm going to have Geek Out Loud on YouTube. And um, I found some stuff um, that, I, that that may work. So this in this episode, I'm going to give you guys that are listening to us live via the chat over at Mixler.com. Uh, slash Goliverse. I'm going to give you guys two options, and I want to know better this first or second. So here we go. Uh, so better this first. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> I like that one. Yes, yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, this is like for closing out because apparently that Super Friends theme has made it through the YouTube stuff. So, uh, so better this first. I don't know what I'm about to hear, by the way. everyone thanks for joining us on geek out loud it's been good to have you along with us and uh, don't forget where you can find us all the stuff emails this the website is this the social media is this patreon blah 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 uh, we'll see you next time so so there's that okay and then there is um 
this better so better this first the better the first that you heard or this second And that's going to do it for us here on Geek Out Loud. I've been Steve Glosson. Thanks to Shaz Bazaar for joining us. Here's the email. Here's the socials. Here's the blah, blah, blah. And uh, don't re- and always remember, if you've got a giant pumpkin, maybe you can travel millions of miles. Let, it take you- Let your giant pumpkin take you to the stars. <laughs> All right. So that was your choices on this episode, the first or the second. So let's see what the chat says. Shaz, what say you? Um, I like that that first first one. The other two were kind of fuzzy. Fuzzy? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's an eye doctor appointment, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying I'm using their ver the, the way they would all do, always do that. Uh number 2 um first the stranger things vibe that fits the stranger things vibe of this episode. Are number you... 2 was definitely stranger things. Right. Well, I'm not trying to go. Listen, this is the vibe I want for closing out the show heretofore. So, over the over the course of the next few episodes, we're going to have. Right now, we've got second, 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 second. So it looks like number two is going to be the winner. And so, in the next episode, I'll have that particular one, and we'll play another and say, "Well, better this first or this second? You know, that kind so of thing. You're looking for stuff that's not going to infringe on copyrights, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so I found, I've I've I found, you know, I've got some various and sundry subscriptions that I that I use for all the stuff that I do on the podcast that I didn't realize they actually had some stock music that is royalty free that I can use. And so this is some samples of those to see what'll work. So, all right, well, we're going to go with number two. Uh, on this particular episode, I need to write down what that is so I don't forget. So, um, pen and paper, or I'll just make a note of it on the phone and, uh, via a picture. Um, what a show, what a show we've had. It's been all over the place. I know it has, but I thank everyone for joining up with us at mixer.com slash goldiverse. Apologies to Scott Rifen. Uh, I'm blaming Skype, Scott. Uh, that's, that's what's going on there with that. Uh, Jimmy and Georgia, thank you so much for 10 different, I mean, like, look, I could come around next week and we can do another one of these because there's some good stuff here. Let me read just these headlines real quick. California burglar bungle. Say that five times fast. The thief left keys inside the crime scene in Florida news. Drunk Floridian allegedly drove a golf cart on the highway with an open bottle of whiskey, or it was Tuesday in Florida. Feathers fly as wild turkey dodges cops in slapstick apartment chase. Animal Apocalypse News. Kids are battling for the best mullet and the competition is fierce. The mullets are back, Shaz. I don't know if you realize that or not. It, I was wondering if this was a fishing story. No, 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 no. This is the hairstyle. Mullets are back. Mullets are back. Yep, yep. Ah, uh, Good. I'm going to pull out the pictures of my wedding. A seal burst into a home through a pet flap. Temporarily ousting the family cat. Animal Apocalypse News. California man pleads guilty to smuggling more than 1,700 animals. He's a traitor and should be judged as thus. And finally, Texas man lets dogs book it in shelter escape. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he freed the dogs. He's like, I'm getting out of here. He let the dogs out. Uh, there you go. So 
a lot of, I mean, like, look, there was some good material that was sent my way and I hate that we weren't able to get to all of it. And did I just hang up? I just hung up on Shaz. Dadgummit. I'm sorry, Shaz. I hung up accidentally trying to close things out. My name's Steve Glosson. I've forgotten how to use Skype. That is, that is ultimately what's going on here. So, so with that, with apologies to Scott, with apologies to Shaz Bazaar, but also a great thank you to Shaz Bazaar, uh, we will close out this episode with a new feature that we're doing here on Geek Out Loud. We call it Hot Tub Geek Machine. Enjoy. Welcome to Hot Tub Geek Machine, the more relaxing side of Geek Out Loud. In the hot tub today is Scott Riefen. Scott is the Vice President of Programming, Program Director, Building Lead, and Junior Engineer at WGIG in Brunswick, Georgia. There he holds the honor of being the most listened to man in South Georgia radio on his daily morning show, Straight Talk a political talk show that focuses on the issues, not only nationally, but also locally in Brunswick, as well as in Savannah, where Scott can now be heard on WTKS AM and FM. The show airs Monday through Fridays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern. You can stream Scott live or hear his show via podcast on iHeartRadio. Scott also hosted the sometimes returning Dinner for Geeks podcast, along with a cast of characters that are real people Scott has actually known for years. You can hear Scott talk to Star Wars fans and professionals on My Star Wars Story, a podcast that ran with the idea of people sharing the story of their Star Wars fandom long before Lucasfilm used similar marketing at a recent celebration. Follow Scott on social media at Rifen. You can also email him at scott at rifen.com. That's R-Y-F-U-N. Remember, there's no fun if it's not Rifen. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. Scott and I discuss his time in radio and how that translated or didn't translate into podcasting. Listen closely for my favorite part of the discussion as Scott speaks highly of me, even though I just said podcasting not podcasting. It's always an honor to have Scott guest on any of shows of which I'm a part, but it's more of an honor to call Scott friend. We all thank him for joining me in the Hot Tub Geek Machine. That was a heck of an intro. This music's still going, though. Maybe it's over now. It's a lot easier to say this is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. You're, you're distinct among a lot of podcasters in as much as you were broadcasting before you were podcasting. I was broadcasting before it was cool to podcast. Well, yeah. that, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things is like the difference is, is you're, whereas a lot of these 
big name radio guys would dip into podcasting, like an Adam Carolla once he did it. He, you know, he didn't change his format from one thing to the other, but I guess Dinner for Geeks a lot different than old Straight Talk. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't doing straight. No, you know what? We started Straight Talk right. No, wait, hang on. We started Dinner for Geeks right before I got Straight Talk. What were you doing? Okay, what were you doing before right. Straight Talk? Uh, nothing. <laughs> no, I was. Uh, I got into radio to do. Um, and by the way, I really liked your swimsuit. Thank um, you. I got into radio to do a talk show. Okay. And to do the talk show I wanted to do. And I still do not have any idea how it is that I'm actually allowed to do the talk show I want to do every day. But I am. Um, so, so you're doing the talk show you want to do? The, on, this is the one I got into radio to do, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, and, and the way I wanted to do it. Um, but I, I got into radio with the goal of doing that, but I had to do everything else before then. Well, sure. And, uh, and, and I waited 18 years to get a chance to do this. Yeah. And... and uh, I got into radio full-time in uh, February 94. I started doing production, and uh, yeah, I literally, I was working in the mall, and I got mad because I cut my raise in half. Hmm. And I was like, that's it, I've had enough. And I went down to the radio station and said, do you guys have any work for me? And they said, yeah, and that was it. <laughs> so you, you was it GIG, was it that conglomerate? I mean, was that, what at the time, was that a whole, because they're, at the studio there, for people who don't, you know, there's a lot of folks who've never been there. I'm, I've been fortunate to be there. There are several stations based out of that same building that I assume are all under the umbrella. We're under the umbrella of the same ownership, or it, it wasn't like that then. Mm -hmm. um, basically, this was this is February of '94. Right I went down there and asked for the gig, and uh, it was at WMOG, which was the first radio station ever in beautiful Brunswick, Georgia, launched okay. in june of 1940 wow. and they were on the causeway and there was an am and an fm and that's it yeah yeah and uh, i got that job in february of 94 and by july i showed up and the general manager said hey you know one day i think you're going to be a good morning man and I, and I was doing like six to midnight at the time and uh I said, really he said yeah and, and that morning is tomorrow and so, wow yeah so like Five months into my radio job, I was doing mornings on hmm. WMOG, which are like the, you know, the what did, what's heritage the, station. What's the frequency of MOG? Is it still around? 1490. It, the frequency's still there. The station isn't as it was. Uh, but you had to drive by it. Every time you'd go to vacation on St. Simon's yeah. when you were a Ute, yeah. you would have to drive by it. Do you remember when the deck was there? No. Where where was it? Okay. The deck was at the foot of the causeway. It's a big, elegant restaurant that was at the foot of the causeway. Yes. And uh, as you were turning onto the causeway, and we were right next door to it. Okay. We actually shared a parking lot. With okay. It. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I kind of remember that. So, MOG was there. There. So, I, when you say it's not the same as it was, meaning it's not independently owned and operated anymore, it's another. Oh, it's such a mess. Mm -hmm. We were we were owned and operated by this uh, this subsidiary of AT and T mm. because somebody took out a loan and defaulted on it. Mm -hmm. Some local owner, so right. we weren't locally owned. And within a few months of my working there, we were bought by a company called Partech. Well, we weren't bought by a company called Partech. They LMA'd us. You know what LMA is? No, lease management agreement. And that means we're gonna buy you, and we all agree we're gonna buy you. So we're just going to run you because it, there's so much paperwork and, you know, goes through the government, you know, buying a radio station. And so the LMA is, you know, we're going to buy you. We know we're going to buy you. Let's just start running it like as if we own you. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there as the sale goes through. Well, 
they elevated us and ran us for like two years and then dropped us. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we reverted back to the original owner, the AT&T subsidiary, who didn't want us. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, they're not a radio company. They were a right. lender who just happened to have us. And so they called another owner in town, and, and he had just bought another station and said, hey, uh, we, got, we got one more if you want it, <laughs> and we'll sell it to you for some. We got two more, and we'll sell it to you for a song. And uh, so he said, yeah, well, bring it on. So, but they couldn't buy us legally yet because the tax, uh, what was it, the Telecommunications Act of 96 hadn't passed yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what he did was he bought it in his son's name. Okay. And, and I love in radio when they play these little games because they play them to the hilt. I mean, it's like sure. role playing. Yeah, yeah. They, they, we had an owner recently in this market who bought a station under a, a minority set aside because his wife is, is a woman, strangely enough. Uh, okay. And a nice woman. Yeah. But she's an attorney. Hmm. And every time I'd see him, I'd be like, uh, you know, she owns that state. And he would always make a distinction. Well, we're doing this. Well, we're doing this. And she's also doing this. You know. Right. Uh, and I'd say, yeah, but, you know, you're the same thing. No, no, no. She runs it. It's all hers. It's independent. I'm just telling you. It's nice, nice people. But, you know, it was a scam. Right. And right. when she was legally allowed to sell it to him, surprise, she sold it to him. But uh, they like doing that. So th- in this case, they bought it under the son's name, and the son came over. I'm running you now. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> uh, eventually, when they could legally do so, they he sold it to his family, believe it or not, and they moved us. So it, we went from two stations to being in with four stations, and there were really only a couple more stations left. And eventually, we were bought by a group called Root Communications. Mm-hmm. Now, this is kind of cool. Root community. Do you know they they were a family trust that had like almost a billion dollars? Do you know where their money came from? Uh, seashells and sand dollars. Root Bottling Company. Oh wow! In Indiana, was one of the original hourglass Coke bottle. Oh, uh, bottlers. Wow. Okay. And so the Root Bottling Company had all this Coca Cola stock, and they mm-hmm. cashed it in, and all the all the the uh, you know the the uh, the kids in the family right. had a share of this money to invest and one of them was a fan of NASCAR and radio so he bought a bunch of radio stations so what was back in 94 when you started there at MOG before all this was going down what was the format was it it wasn't talk was it no it well it was it was uh some would call it full service Mm -hmm. which is like sometimes it's talk and sometimes it's gospel and sometimes it's mostly though it was what they then called middle of the road and now they call it adult standards Okay. Which was, it was the Carpenters. Right. And it was a little bit of the last of the big band era and the crooners. Right. You know, it's Tony Bennett and, and Frank Sinatra and those guys. And so this is the place where local churches would go and buy airtime on Sundays. And, and, and so Sunday mornings you might have the old time gospel hour and happy gospel times mm-hmm. and, and such and such Baptist yeah. church, Marsh, you know, Glen Marsh Baptist church or whatever the case may be with their, okay, I see. It, it, well, and so this is, I mean, because I think this is one of the things that fascinates me and has always fascinated me about radio is from the outside looking in is, is the, the rise of all of these little towns, especially in a place like South Georgia, where you have all of these small towns that have their own little radio station. You know, people from larger areas don't realize that like, you know, well, where I'm at now in, in North Georgia, in, in Rome, you have the Floyd County school system, you have the city school system, you know, in Jeff Davis County, there was Jeff Davis school system. You know, that was it. Uh, same thing, you know, over in Appling County, Bacon County, Clinch County, all those places down around there. 
And so all these little towns would have their little radio stations. And some of them would be more successful than others. Um, uh-huh. But like WVOH out of Hazelhurst was all country music. And I don't mean up-to-date country for the time. I mean, <laughs> they were playing Hank Williams and uh, Patsy Cline. And, you know, all, and they might have some of the newer stuff like on a countdown and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. but, but it was there to be the local radio station. It was there to turn on to see when school closings were happening to see you know what's going on with this local news yeah. situation yep. and and the men who were there were literally the voices of Hazelhurst Georgia in fact one of the one of the top guys there one of the you know the the, the top dogs there was his name was Wilbur Heath and and so we even said WVOH means Wilbur the voice of Hazelhurst um, you know, and, and he had a distinct way. You know, there was a distinct way they would do the commercials. Googe's Superette on the yeah. Baxley Highway in Hazelhurst. And and that was always yes. kind of that thing. And, and they were still in the 90s doing reel-to-reel recording. Like, we would yeah, go and do... I was. We'd do PSAs for 4-H and walk into this room, and there was a reel-to-reel machine. And he's like, now speak in this microphone and read your thing. And, you know, so there you do it. And... And, and, and I was like, this is the most magical yet weird place I've ever been in because it's <laughs> set off the road. It's an old rundown building, yeah. you know, but there's all this stuff in there. So years later, um, they were bought out by uh, Broadcast South Media, which I guess there's still a thing down there in southeast Georgia. John Higgs was the man's name, and he bought Douglas's, you know, Coffee County's radio, um, I think he got over into Alma. I think he got, uh, I know he got Hazelhurst. He couldn't touch Baxley because, and this is, wow, this is very localized talk, but, you know, WBYZ is, that's a monster down there now, you know, hit yeah, kicking Jimmy, country. Uh, and, um, what's his name? Jimmy, uh, God, I actually, I actually, Swain? Uh, huh? Is it Swain that owns it? No. Uh, uh, Jimmy, uh, I can't remember Jimmy's last name. I actually helped network that building. Well, I'm telling you, that you know that's the monster in the area that higgs couldn't touch but everything this dude touched it's like he want he felt like he had to mess with what was good going well and wvoh was a pretty powerful signal mm. so he takes that and moves that tower over to nichols georgia what's going on in nichols georgia nothing at all mm. and he just puts it on a satellite feed of classic rock and and lets that roll meanwhile he puts up this weak almost a college radio station powered tower in Hazelhurst, and it becomes WHJD, Hazelhurst Jeff Davis, I guess, and and it just flounders. It just sits there and flounders, and the, and you know, so I'm doing the big honking show at this building that you know, honestly, is just it's become this. It looked like a hoarder's house in a lot of places, but you could see beyond the crust and beyond the 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 just piled up in this room and that room, there was like a certain amount of history. You know, there were still there's still a whiteboard with all the cart numbers and everything and and, yes. and and all the different and you're like, I remember that business, I remember this and it's like uh, and it and, and and you're just looking at that, and you're like, Wow, what this was a for this little town, this was a kick in place. And I think just the idea of of even breaking into radio, but then finding out how similar it is, just talking to you and people like Jimmy Mack, no matter how big or small you find out there's a lot of the same type people involved, not mm-hmm. not on the air necessarily, but pulling the strings, the money, 
the purse, the the bean counters, the goobs, if you will, the radio, the consultants, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jimmy Graham was the guy at WBYZ. I remember. Now. Okay, it yeah, was Jimmy yeah. Graham. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and and uh, it's funny because I I've only really technically had one radio job. It just keeps morphing into other things. But right. I've I've always been continuously employed, which is a really weird thing for radio. Right. Um, but this and it's funny because the, the guy up in uh, in Savannah. Mark, who's the PD of the station that I'm on now up there, you know, I'm the I'm the PD of all five of ours here, mm-hmm. and I'm the vice president of programming, <laughs> and all that, you know, every other title they can put. Right. In. Yeah. And uh, Mark is the PD up there, and Mark has been continuously working up there for 45 years, hmm. and I've been continuously down here for 28 years, and we're both just rarities in this business because of that. I mean, most right. of the time, people don't last really long in any gig in radio. In fact, that's you know, when I would hire people, and I don't really have to worry about that anymore because there are any jobs. But um, when I would hire people, that's the only thing I would, the main thing I would look at, the first thing I'd look at on the resume is how long, you know, if you're if you're here six months, then there six months, then there six months, and go, eh, that's a standard, typical radio job jumper. I'm not dealing mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. Uh, but if somebody was somewhere for four or five years, that was understandable. Uh, yeah. Because that's about, that's about a lifespan on a radio station. It's usually four or five years. Mm-hmm. I, I miss I miss the days of the big of the local DJs. I miss the days mm-hmm. of of guys who were actually and women who were actually in the room, you know, hitting play on something. You know, whether they were dropping a needle or hitting play on a CD or or you know whatever the case may be. But they would break in live, but you know between commercials, update the time if nothing else. Maybe take a call here or there. Maybe mention you know, and 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 sometimes you actually had even in South Georgia. And I say even in South Georgia because I don't think people realize how small some of these towns are and how few people are there and how often you'd get, you know, your afternoon trader. So-and-so's got some goats to sell. Just call them up at 375. You know, you, you didn't. And, but that was an early gig of mine to do swap. Shop. Oh, nice. The swap shop. Wow. Oh, yeah. What did you just sit there with a legal pad and just write down what people called in? And yes. And you had the mailbag. And people would send you the mailbag, and the deal was the mailbag until until somebody told you to take it out of the mailbag, it stayed in the mailbag. Mm. So what what really wound up happening is you had the same five people call every day and the same ten mailbag items right. every day. Brought and, to you uh, by brought to you by the mailbag brought to you by such and such a business or such and such a yeah place. Well, yeah. eventually, and, and you know it's funny because it's I made the decision as a programmer to cancel it, mm. Bec- and and that got some backlash from a few people. And there still were people who would say afterwards, you know, well, why did you do that? Why would you? And the reason was, A, nobody would buy it. Right. Like, no sponsors. And B, it was the same five guys calling with the same five things every day. Uh, yeah. You know, I can still tell you that Millard was going to call with his size nine <laughs> boots that zip up and lace up. Both zip and lace. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, he's got a used gun. He's got a saddle. And you know, th- these are the things that just would suck up my time for sure. the day. I'd be a busy guy and I'd have this, which is not making us any money. It's, yeah. not, it's wasting my time. And people would always say, hey, well, why'd you get rid of that? I love that. And I go, oh, yeah? Who's on there? Who calls? Right. Oh, well, well, Miller well, called yeah. about his boots. Yeah, yeah, Miller, but they don't know that. They don't know Miller's calling about his boots every day because they weren't actually listening. It's just things should be as they always are and therefore, you know, but the truth was that the show wasn't profitable. I right. remember... Uh, I was doing mornings on MOG, and they decided they were going to put me on. And we were bought by that family I told you about. Mm-hmm. And they decided they were going to put me on at middays on their FM station. But I was still doing mornings on MOG. Here's the problem. 
uh, morning ended at 10 mm-hmm. and the shift in midday started at 10 and <laughs> the buildings were about 20 minutes apart. Oh no. <laughs> so I would finish the program at you know, like 9.59 and change, mm-hmm, right. jump in my car, drive across town and hopefully hit my first break by 10.18 or so. Wow. Uh, yeah, we were still playing CDs and everything. Sure. So I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was real deal radio. And you know, it wasn't records, but it was, no, it was right, close. Right. But, uh, I, and, and when they told me I had to do that, I said, well, what about the swap shop? And they said, well, you know what you do? Because we can't do the swap shop if you're over in this building. But during the morning show, just every once in a while, just go, we're going to have a 10-minute swap shop. Hmm. <laughs> you know what didn't work? 10-minute swap shop. 10-minute swap shop yeah. did not work. Yeah, wow. Once we were consolidated back into one building, I brought back swap shop because people would call and say, I really miss swap shop. And I'd say, are you going to call and put something on there? Oh, yes, of course. And, you know, the, the sign that it wasn't working in reality, even though everybody says they love it, is that it's not just that the same five guys would call for the same five things every day. It was that clearly no one was buying those five things. Right. Yep. Or they would have five other things to sell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They never did. I think I think people like it for the entertainment value of like who's going to call today yeah. and what are, and what's still going to be there. I there is a yeah. story and I can't remember who it was. I feel like it were friends of mine who the guy had a prank pulled on him because someone called the swap shop and said, "I've got some goats to sell, but I work shift work, so I need you to call me at this late, you know, after these hours to ask mm-hmm. about the goats." My name is, and he gave him our friend's name and number. And so people oh. are calling my friend at like 10 o'clock at night asking about the goats, you know, <laughs> because apparently a lot of people in South Georgia want goats. Well, yeah, they, you know, they don't want to have to mow their grass. Yeah, exactly. City of Brunswick did that. Oh, nice. Sounds City like Brunswick is having some grass mowing issues. They brought in goats. Wow. Sounds like something a city would do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so I, you were doing mornings at MOG. You were doing this, and, and you've kind of. Now, just through time, you've morphed into this thing. I, I have a question for you, just as a as a radio guy. Yeah, well, <laughs> this thing that this this well, what you? I mean, you're the most listened to man in in radio in South Georgia radio for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah. You know, um, I come at it like when you say you're doing what because earlier you said you're doing the show you wanted to do, and I asked you, is this the show you wanted to do? Mm-hmm. Because. I, I, you know, we've talked before about Rush and, and your influence, you know, the, the way that he kind of influences you and, 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 and that kind of takeaway. But for me, my influences were all the morning zoo crews, all mm. of the people who were like, they just seem to be having a blast on, on the radio. You know, they, yes. they loved every song they were playing. They would laugh. They do the contest, the call-ins, you know, and, and at the, in in the day, I don't know that I ever knew of a nationally syndicated morning show. I think they were all pretty local. And and if the weather was right, we could catch I-95 out of Savannah mm-hmm. uh, in the 90s. Yeah, and they were the rock station, you know, so they were edgy. And um, and the morning show was, uh, was it Ed and Ed, I think was what they were called. But it feels like it was Ed and Ed. But anyhow... Um, I was I was Chris and JD out of Rock 105 in Jacksonville. Well, see, and 103.3 out of Jacksonville had like the morning. I think they literally called themselves the Morning Zoo Crew. Mm. But all in Hazelhurst, in the River Basin, the weather had to be right for you to catch these stations just right. You know, but for me, 
the stations you were going to definitely catch were on the low end of the dial, a couple of NPRs, um, and the Moody Broadcasting Network, and then it was, you may find a dozen stations, most of which would be country. I, I could never find good talk radio unless it was nighttime, or again, the weather was just right during the day. Um, on the AM dial, and it was always frustrating because I loved Rush and I loved that kind of thing, but I could only listen to him if we were over in Waycross, oh. you know, or in Brunswick, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, but but the Zoo Cruise, the morning radio, the the silliness. I'm like, this is the dream. This is life. And now, it seems like you know anyone you talk to, that stuff gets a bad rap. It's it's made fun of. It's a pair. It's made parody of. Yeah. And 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 that kind of breaks my heart because. There's something to a group of people sitting around in the morning talking and, and being lively and having good, fun conversation that you're tuned into, mm-hmm. you know, while you're getting ready for work, while you're headed to school, while you're doing these things. And it just, to me, it would always kind of set a good mood for the day, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you, can, if you can laugh at 7.30 in the morning on the way to school, for crying out loud, that's, to me, that's talent, Yeah, you know? And, and and I don't understand I don't understand the bad rap that kind of that that type of show gets these days with I don't either other than um, you know there's the, there's there was a level of this is this is an era that doesn't tolerate making fun of people the way it used to you can still make fun of people but you have to make fun of people based on certain rules mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that that didn't exist then mm-hmm. uh, and and really quite frankly aren't equitable or fair um, and and there was a lot of parody and there was a lot of uh, you know a lot of just joking I mean, you know I was talking about the the Chris and JD out of Jacksonville and Rock 105 when I listened and, and Grease Man I mean we grew up listening to Grease Man and Grease Man was all theater of the mind mm-hmm. and uh, a little risque but uh and he's a guy that you know his stuff influenced me a lot. Yeah, uh, not the racist stuff, but the other stuff. Not the racist. Um, stuff. But but Chris and JD had a thing called the joke off, mm. which I realized was a double entendre now, but I didn't when I was a kid. Right, sure. And uh, they people would send in jokes, and they would read every day. There'd be a different joke, and it was a benchmark, so it was the same time every day. So I was caught it on the way to school, and wouldn't go into school until I heard the joke off, and. Uh, you know, and then Friday they'd crown a winner of the best joke of the week. They, you know, they'd go down and they'd have votes and and uh, narrow it down to a couple, and then they'd compete for the best joke, and somebody won the joke. But you always got to. They were usually pretty good jokes, oh. and they would produce them up, you know, with sound effects and everything. Mm-hmm. And not that that stuff was great, but yeah, uh, I think I think people also detect there's there's a level of phoniness to it because of the production value. But I consider that to be production value, right. not phoniness, right? It's it's almost like the people railing about CGI, even though half the time they don't recognize the CGI sure. is there. Right, right. Uh, well, that's I guess that's kind of the thing is like you. I'm not talking about the guys who would sit there and be annoying with a soundboard, you know, the sound machine no. next to them, but but just the people that were like I just there's something about to me the dream is like so you're telling me there's a job out there somehow. That if I do the right kind of work, if I can get there, I can sit around a table, basically, or a desk, or or sit across from a friend or two and just talk, and people will actually pay attention and enjoy what it is we're doing and have to say. Yeah, that, although 
there is, you know, behind the curtain and having worked with consultants and having tried to do an FM morning show, mm -hmm. uh, a two-person FM morning show and worked with a consultant, uh, you'd be surprised at how much of, of what they do is not spontaneous. Right, right. Um, because the consultants, and I've worked with, with some, uh, Mike O'Malley, who's a brilliant consultant, tried to get the morning show we were doing on track. And the, the problem there was that, that my partner on that program didn't want to plan things out. She mm -hmm. wanted all of it to be spontaneous. And the problem was she didn't really do spontaneous. Okay. So she's not entertaining. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's just kind of, all right, all right. Um, and I was kind of trying to make it work because I didn't have anything and I didn't know mm -hmm. the day would ever come that I would get the, uh, you know, I mean, I had, you know, regular midday stuff, but not, I wanted a big deal show. Sure. I didn't want to be a DJ. I wanted to be a guy who was hosting a show. Mm -hmm. And, um, and and I didn't know that I was going to get a talk show anytime soon. So I was trying to make this work. And the consultant, you know, he sat down and he said, you know, you've got to talk through everything and know where you're going and know when you're getting out, know what your out is. And, mm -hmm. you know, th so there's a lot more preparation of those things than it sounds like there is. And, and the guys who can make it sound like they're just sitting around the table chatting like that, those are the best guys in the business. Yeah. Because I promise you that's not how that came up. Right. Well, I, I just... The to me when I started actually getting to do podcasting I'm like well this is what I want it to be I want it to be just sitting around talking and obviously when I sit out to do something I know what I want to talk about mm -hmm. but like if I have you on or uh, Shaz on or anybody that comes in there's a lot of times where they may say something that I'll let the conversation go that way mm -hmm. and and just have a you know have a good time or, or a bit will present itself you know and 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 we'll roll yeah. that way with it but there's still the topics that that have come up it would do in the big honking show i would pull the articles or have articles sent to me and i'd be like all right i feel like i can go, go with this one i feel like i can riff on this one i feel like i can riff on this one and then move on into that and then once you're doing it radio style and not podcast style where you have time cues and things you've got to hit you know, it, it causes you to like, all right, get the, if you've got a joke in your mind, if you feel like it's going to work, hit it now mm -hmm. because you've got 30 yep. seconds before you need to get out. Yep. And, and yep. so and sometimes sometimes the frustrating the frustrating is when you know you got a good punchline and you know you're not quite at your time cue yet. And you got <laughs> to pad it out to get to the punchline. I've been there. I've done that. I'm like, oh, Troy, I thought I was going to be where I needed to be. And I got 15 seconds. I Let me reiterate what I was saying. A minute right. Ago. Right. So. But, um, yeah, it, the thing is podcasting and what is great about podcasting is I think it allows for that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it allows – I think it's more forgiving than radio, which is very much, you know, we've got to catch you here. We've got to keep you for at least 15 minutes. What are we going to do to hold on to you? By the way, we've got to get you through the commercial break. It means we've got to set up a tease before the commercial break to make sure you stick around. Um, you know, it, you, you – it's – Radio is a lot more structured than podcasting has to be. And podcasting can be anything. That's another great thing. Podcasting is Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. uh, podcasting can be anything you want it to be. It can be completely structured. It can be pre-recorded. It can be live and spontaneous. It can be anything. But it, but it does have room in that space to be a really good spontaneous thing that can kind of go where you want it to go. Uh, or, or go where you didn't think it would go. But I also um, feel, but I feel like also with with the podcasting thing and, and it's not as true now as it had been early on but the cream rises to the top like mm -hmm. the, the the people who are talented who do put the work in um 
nine times out of ten are going to be rewarded with some modicum of listeners. They're not going to get the millions upon millions of of listeners of an Adam Carolla or a Joe Rogan or whoever else who step into it with a certain amount of celebrity. But yeah. you know, but if you're good and you're passionate and and you're having a good time and you're inviting your listeners to have a good time. I think that formula works as well as it does on radio, you know. Yeah, but, you know, you threw in a word there that's not always a word people really take into account. And you said, you mentioned passionate. Right. And have a good time. But the first thing you said was good. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are passionate and have a good time, but they're not very good. Right. And they don't know it. Yeah. They don't know it. Yeah. I, I'm always uh, afraid that's me. And, you know. <laughs> No, you are you are one of my and here's the thing too. I was talking about you today, um, just because you were on the podcasting thing so early, mm -hmm. and you were some of that cream that rose to the top. I yeah. mean, I remember when I first when I, I first started paying attention to podcasting in 2007, mm -hmm. and I remember saying to my boss at the time, "Hey, I've been downloading this thing on my computer, and it's called podcasting, and it's basically people just doing their own radio talk shows. Yeah. We need to take a look at this because this is going to be a thing. And he's like, all right, whatever. And that's right. kind of it. Right. But a few years into that, I remember I would go to the Apple podcast page, and Geek Out Loud was always on the front page. Yeah, yeah. There was never a time when Geek Out Loud was not on the front page. And when mm -hmm. you went to the entertainment, it was always one of the top ones. So you were one of those guys that early on I went and, and I would listen to you and go, this guy, this guy's got his act together. This guy's got talent. He's got magnetism. He's got, you know, the ability to, to keep a conversation going. He's smart. Uh, he, he is not afraid to look stupid in front of people. And I, I mean, I mean that in a very nice sure, way. Sure. No, no. I uh, think that's key. You know, he's not afraid to look, to be embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you start. In fact, somebody sent me a text the other day about they were listening to you singing Def Leppard on uh, Geek Out Loud. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I asked you for permission some time ago to run some episodes. Right. I've been running you on Saturdays. Yeah. And uh, and he was just dying. Yeah. And he had to send me a text to, to tell me how much he enjoyed what you were doing. Well, good. Uh, you're not afraid to go out there and look embarrassed. And what I remember about a lot of the podcasts I listened to when I first started downloading them is either they would be really good, really high energy, really good production. Or they would um, be a guy who sounded like he was trying not to wake mom up. Mm -hmm. She's yep. yep. And they would always have these really elongated sentences because they weren't really sure what they were saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I would go, well, this guy's not going to make it. He's a loser. Move on. What I wanted was the podcast that I wanted to listen to. I wanted to have mm -hmm. the, pod the kind of podcast that I would want to listen to. And I think that one of the things is uh, with, with anyone who steps into any type of broadcasting podcasting being in front of people you've got to be willing to fail and you've got to be willing to you said you know embarrass yourself you've got to call yourself out on things that mm -hmm. was one of the ways i stopped saying um so much when i was podcasting i would i would actually call myself out and i'd get emails from people don't beat yourself up so much don't beat yeah. yourself and i'm like but you don't understand this is me teaching steve but doing it in a way that's hopefully a little bit entertaining Use that to roll into a bit. And the first time we met and we were doing my Star Wars story, um, mm -hmm. we were recording and somewhere in there, someone dropped a fork or something. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's just play along. And I just started I throwing just... silverware up to the yeah. table. <laughs> and it was it... almost like I was, I was at dinner with Jeff and he was mad at a waiter. <laughs> what? Did I say... I'm sorry, did I say that? Um... It's those kinds of things that I think really 
to me make people real and it and it and yep. it disarms the audience to well, but also not everybody can do that i mean honestly you mm -hmm. have a gift mm. and a, a lot of people who do that it just sounds bad we had a we had an air personality who shall remain nameless and the, the criticism who would try to do similar things to that but it mm -hmm. wound up just kind of sounding self-centered and self-serving right Instead of because it wasn't inviting the listeners in like you invite the listeners in yeah. when you do it the way you do it. Uh, and this person would do it and it would just sound like they were going into themselves and that was it. Mm. Uh, and that was, you know, the, 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 the consultants would come through and say, this is you do a really good job, except for when you just sit and talk about yourself. Mm -hmm. So stop talking right. about yourself. Right. Uh, because and it, you can talk about yourself and you can berate yourself, but you have to do it in a way that is inviting to the listeners and, and, and says, okay, you're good to listen to this. This is not just me talking for me to me. Um, and, and again, you're good at that, but not everybody is. It's, it's a talent like anything else. Yeah. And well, and, and so I, I think that that's kind of the thing is, is when I look at someone like you who, who brings talent to the table, when you step into the podcasting arena, you know, what you did with star Wars story and even to an extent, what you do with Dinner for Geeks, when you know, because you tried to keep that thing wrangled in, you let it be wild. You know, you let it be yeah. fr as free form as possible, but you also would would kind of use what you knew to try to wrangle it in and 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 keep it going. And you knew and you knew when to cut out too when, on your editing. I think that's key as yeah. well. When to end things. I would actually, I would do more than that. I would actually rearrange the show. Sure. Yeah, I used to do four passes mm -hmm. on every episode of Dinner for Geek early on. Yeah, wow, which would take forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but like I would say, you know, this section actually kind of matches up with something we were doing earlier. Let me take it out of here and put it over there, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and try to move it around, and then try to make it sound reasonably seamless. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was uh, Dinner for Geeks was a real challenge because you, you did have three guys who weren't broadcasters. You had one guy who who. <laughs> You're, you're going to get me in trouble again. <laughs> and one guy who who delights in derailing things and doesn't understand that that doesn't really translate to good listening. Right. And I mean, there's derailing and then there's derailing. Right. Right. There's derailing that's kind of funny and a spectacle. And then there's derailing just kind of for your own personal satisfaction, just to needle at somebody. Right. One of those is okay. What you do when you go on a talk show is you do a derail that is interesting and again invites everyone to kind of participate. Sure. Well, and that that was a trial and error, my friend. That was a thing <laughs> where, um, and and that's you know the story for another time with Derek Russell. You got to make sure things don't become vanity product projects, yeah. just like um, just like this particular project, uh, which has gone much longer than I told you it would. But that's what happens when you get people who sit around and talk doing this. So the bubble stopped about ten minutes ago. Oh, no. So, yeah, so we got to get out. Uh, well, that's okay. I'm kind of shriveled up anyway. <laughs> exactly. You sit there till you're pruning. My fingers. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Fingers, the fingers become the, uh, the tail of when the conversation is over. So, yeah. uh, so <laughs> <laughs> just follow the fingers. Wait, that doesn't sound right at all, does it? This has been Hot Tub Geek Machine, a production of Geek Out Loud and its subsidiaries, which include, but are not limited to, 
The Big Honkin' Show. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time in the hot tub. And thanks to Scott Rifen for being a part of our inaugural hot tub geek machine. Uh, we hope to have a lot of people on that. I hope it's a regular thing. Uh, you can hear Hot Tub Geek Machine before anyone else by subscribing to Patreon over at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. We'd love to have you there uh, if you're so inclined. Um, we are uh, rocking it over on the Facebook group. You can get there by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. And, uh, and that's kind of a great way to talk to us. The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you there that helps us kind of direct the shows and everything that's going on so feel free to email anytime there uh obviously you know how uh the the shows go it may be a few weeks before we do another one but when we have your material through email it really does help the shows out so if there's something you're geeking out about you want to talk to about get in touch with us uh again special thanks to shaz bazaar for joining us thanks everyone for joining us live at mixer.com slash until next time my name's steve glosson thank you so much for joining us we'll see you next time on geek out loud You feel like an amateur sometimes when you hadn't done this for a while.